Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. It is, uh, of course, 6 o'clock here on the East Coast as we're coming to you live on the 13th day of January in the Southern Sports Central Studios down in the outskirts of Charleston, South Carolina, coming at you in Somerville. I'm Rich Yelp alongside Eugene Benton. Going to be a locked and loaded show here today. We added, actually, a guest about 10 minutes ago. Lou Bezjack from the State Paper will join us at 612. So we've got to be on time here in the next nine minutes, Eugene, as we'll take a break about 610. We'll mic him up, get him ready to rock and roll because the South Carolina High School League had their meeting today about the winter and the spring. A lot of news coming out of it. And, oh, by the way, they're adding a little bit more price to the event that we know as the state championship next year. That was passed over this afternoon. Now, again, we'll talk about the plans for basketball and I would imagine wrestling falls under this conversation as well as how they'll start the season, continue the season, I guess you should say, in playoffs. I did say playoffs because it's going to be here before you know it. A lot of conversation with Lou for about 15 to 20 minutes as we'll get his conversation there. As uh, They look like they're going to pretty much follow suit to what you saw in the world of football this past fall. So it, it basically the season, the, the postseason will go on the way it needs to. If you end up catching the dirty word, then you're out. As long as you don't catch it, uh, I guess if you catch it in the championship game, they can move it around because there's not games after that. But we'll talk to them about that. And then they also mentioned uh, some baseball and some softball. They also talked track and field today. They talked about the golf and the tennis and lacrosse. For those who have lacrosse teams, those conversations were had today as well. I've got some notes. I want to give um, you know the guys over there at the South Carolina High School uh, Facebook page uh, that, of course, Terrell Pinckney did a great job today keeping us up to date over there on Facebook as far as what was happening throughout the meetings. I want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, as you may or may not have read us earlier today, we already had, had locked in a couple of other big-time guests here tonight as we're going to start at 7 o'clock in hour number two 
balling on the beach over there at, of course, Coastal Carolina. And we have in here with us will be Coach Doyle. He is the director of recruiting for the Shawna Clears. He'll be hanging out with us. It's his birthday, by the way. So we'll make sure that we uh, wish him a happy birthday when he calls in at 7 o'clock. And then we head over to Lenore Ryan with Mike Jacobs. He's the head football coach of that program. I believe they're going to play some ball in the spring. How is that going to help them in recruiting? I think it's going to help them a good bit because these cats can travel and uh, watch some football. Uh, I saw three games on the schedule and some other things, but you never know. A lot could have changed in the last even, heck, 10 minutes. So we'll find out uh, what's going on with that. Now, as far as our menu today, pretty loaded up, uh, as you probably saw on Facebook or maybe you're following us on Twitter, and uh, just so much to cover and not a lot of time, but three hours to do it. Like I mentioned, the South Carolina High School League met today. We'll talk about that throughout today's game. And then, oh, did you know, there was a national championship game that took place over the, uh, over the last couple of days. And we'll talk about that here as Alabama did it once again. We've got some audio that I'll play from uh, Nick Saban, who is now the most, uh, who has more national championships in college football than any other coach. He passed Barry Bryant with now seven as Bear Bryant and him were tied with six before Monday night. We'll talk about that in 6.30 hour. Of course, our, the second part of the show in hour number one, college football recruiting. Again, that would be a lot of our topics there with Coach Doyle. How is it working? How is it going? And so on and so forth. As I believe, I believe on the 20th of January, Inauguration Day, by the way, when we'll be announcing uh, you know, and, and, and swearing in our new president, uh, they'll also be uh, swearing in hopefully – uh, the, the, the rules that says that they can go out and, and they can recruit and they can see kids and kids can see them and they'll, they'll tear down those uh, restrictions as, uh, as there's, are there right now. And then in hour number three, it is playoffs time in the NFL. Yeah, week two of the divisional round coming up. We'll have two double headers on Saturday and Sunday. My Packers, by the way, playing on Saturday against the Rams. That's not a give-me game. Uh, the Rams, uh, you know, the dangerous thing about the Rams – and the Bills, they, they haven't been here in a long time. So it's kind of like play like you haven't been here before or act like you haven't been here in a long time. Both of those teams can do that. So they're dangerous. Of course, I'm interested to watch and see, you know, what do the Bills have? Are they going to continue the drive that they're doing and doing the things that they're doing? They're having fun. You see that on the, uh, the, the fan camps that they do their things on. And then the other matchup has Eugene's team. Who that? Well, that's the Saints. And they are going to be taking on Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. So that – Two great quarterbacks are getting ready to go head-to-head uh, this weekend. And, again, we'll talk about that. Of course, uh, the Ravens, uh, how do they look? What are they going to do? Uh, that conversation. But we'll go through that whole roster and, and menu at 8 o'clock throughout the night. A lot to cover. If you want to call in tonight, you can do that. The number to call in is uh, 323-784-9681. Eugene and myself will be here with you for the next three. We'll break down a lot. Got a lot to cover here in the next couple of minutes. But, Eugene, before we go to a quick break here, man, I want to say good evening. Welcome uh, back here to the show. I know uh, I'm going to be doing a show tomorrow night. Miss V is out. Uh, she's got some personal things to take care of. I said no worries. Akuna Matata will take care of it on our end. And we are actually going to try to not only stream it here on this radio show, we're going to try to come at you live on Facebook tomorrow night. So it's only going to be a two-hour show. We'll do it from 6 to 8. Got to give you guys the rest of the night. Go do what you need to do. But I figured we would try something. And that way there's not some dead air here on the show, Eugene. Yeah, man, uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the guest tonight. Uh, definitely get, you know, when anytime you can pull a uh, head coach from a nationally ranked uh, year-in, year-out program, Lenore Ryan in, uh, Coach Mike Jacobs, a guy I've known for many, many years. He's been on the show a couple times. That's pretty exciting to hear what he's got going on. Uh, 
you know, the guy joined the staff, you know, when we had him on, I think, right after he got hired and uh, hadn't even quite moved in yet. And uh, then, by the way, you know, North Carolina kind of one of those states that's been a little more strict. So uh, he's kind of had his hands tied there. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going on with Lenore Ryan. And of course, like you mentioned, David Doyle uh, coming in on his birthday tonight. Happy birthday, Coach. Uh, taking time out of his uh, day and, and birthday to spend a few moments with us from uh, Coastal Carolina. That's pretty exciting. But, um, you know, I was looking at the rulings today that came in from the South Carolina High School League, man, and I just – I know you kind of shake your head a little bit. You know, and I put this out there on Twitter, and I'm going to say this publicly, you know, so everybody can hear. I do not want wrestling to be shut down. I am not advocating for wrestling to shut down. I just don't understand the ruling of allowing wrestling to go forward, where you have two athletes face-to-face, skin-to-skin, all over each other's bodies, sweating for six straight minutes. And then a lot of wrestling, uh, talking to a guy in Columbia, uh, goes into overtime. But yet baseball can't come out the dugout and shake a guy's hand and tell him good game and walk off and leave. I don't understand the science behind that. I don't understand the logic. I'm not saying shut that sport down. I am not by any means. I think the sport should continue. I just, you know, I was you know, going through the ruling some today. Some made good sense. Some didn't. And, that, you know, when you get to rulings like that, you kind of shake your head and you're going, you know, well, can, can we hear the reason behind that just to kind of get an idea so that when people come to you and say, hey, you know, why can't we do this or that? And, you know, I saw the high school league rolling this, and you just kind of say, no, I have no idea. And so that was a little bit interesting. I'm hoping we can uh, get some information at least somewhere down the road on that. But, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, you know, now we're going to start seeing where these things are. You know, you mentioned the 20th. I heard from a source last night that the NCAA was actually going to extend it. Uh, I hope that's not true, uh, meaning the dead period part uh, until June 1. I really, really, really hope that's not true. Um, but I, I heard that from a credible source last night that that was going to be extended out. Um, a part of it has to do with being fair for all schools just because what, what, what some schools in, in, say, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama can do as far as, you know, their government, if, if it was okay, they would have recruits in, whereas schools in California, Colorado, uh, and, and some of the states uh, in the Big Ten area in the Midwest would not. And so, um, you know, the NCAA is just trying to keep it. On their end, they're trying to govern it as, as, as fair as possible. So we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. I know they're in the uh, committee meetings as well as the full-on week-long um, kind of get-together uh, with NCAA this week. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that things, you know, kids can get to campuses and, and meet before for signing day or, uh, you know, especially for the 2022 class and also have a chance to go and compete at camps, be seen, get seen, show out, and hopefully, uh, you know, get an offer or an opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, so we're hoping, I guess, you know, on our end that uh, the ruling is that uh, right as of now, in two weeks, they'll be able to make some type of con- uh, contact via on-campus. Uh, I believe, yeah, that was on-campus. It isn't until uh, April 15th that uh, college uh, coaches can actually come to see you. So uh, let's hope that uh, whatever the ruling is, uh, that they'll open it back up and give these kids an opportunity to play. Yeah, no doubt there. Let's take a quick break, guys. It's 6-11. We'll take about a two- to three-minute break. Lou Bizjak going to be coming in here from Columbia, South Carolina. First stop's going to be the state paper. They're going to recap. Hopefully, he'll be able to recap a good bit of what we heard today as uh, I believe he's 
waiting in the wings. So don't go anywhere coming out of this. We're heading to Columbia with the state paper's best at the best of the best. That is Lou's Biz Jack right out of this break, guys. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yelp alongside Eugene Vent. Let's get right after it. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Now, we're following the big man on the mission. That is Lou Bizjack, all the way from Columbia, South Carolina, from the state paper. What's up, Lou? Hey, Richie. How you doing tonight, man? Not too bad, brother. Gave you a nice little intro there with some uh, some Snoop Dogg. Had a nice little mix there, man. I grew up in Myrtle Beach, so that... Those songs always remind me of just growing up as a teenager on the Grand Strand, man. Yeah, I like that song. That's a good one for sure. <laughs> so, man, I know you've been busy, brother. Today uh, was a big day. A lot of people have about three different dates uh, circled. Today was one of those with the high school league course. Down here in Dorchester County, too, where the studio is, there's no basketball. There's no wrestling. It hadn't been this way, uh, or it has been this way, excuse me, since the week before Christmas. It's all been dark. And the gyms, the lights are off. Nobody's home. They're doing virtual learning. And uh, now you saw some of the information coming out today from uh, Jerome, uh, the uh, the commissioner there, uh, Singleton, about how they're going to go forward with the winter sports and how they're going to basically, it sounds like, mirror kind of what we saw for the playoffs in football. We'll see that definitely for the basketball, I guess, where they're going to keep it moving. If you catch the bad word, then, then you're out. As long as it doesn't hit you, uh, I guess, during the championship game, they can move it around. But uh, between the, the, the wrestling, the basketball, and he even touched on a lot of uh, spring sports, man. What did you guys uh, get out of today's meeting that you were able to kind of look, look into or listen into? Yeah, I mean, it, nothing's really going to happen. I mean, as far as um, they uh, they added a few days near the end, they're going to start the playoffs a little bit, a few days later because of the um, – that are originally set because of um, uh, only going – being around shorter so you have a few extra days you'll have until february 18th to have all your qualifiers in at least for basketball and like you said most school i mean and then the championships and uh, the playoffs like you said uh, march 3rd through 6th is uh, the schedule for the state championships they haven't uh, locked down the venue yet florence the florence center is uh, definitely one that uh, might be the choice for the championship games and you're probably going to look at um the upper and lower state finals on, on campuses 
this this year. You're, I doubt you'll have it at a neutral at a neutral site. You might have it in neutral site, but it's not going to be like at a, a Greenville or a Columbia at the Colonial Life Arena. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> some thought that they might uh, there might be a proposal to uh, maybe extend the season or shut things down, but there was no proposal or anything. Uh, no one brought it. Uh, to the executive committee's attention. So um, uh, it's just been, it varied depending on what uh, what part of the state you're in. I know Greenville's pr- pretty much been a hotspot, but they've pretty much been playing uh, throughout uh, here in Columbia. Um, we got a couple districts that are on virtual learning right now, but they opened up, they, they started back to playing basketball games, uh, even though they're on e-learning and um, the, for the next couple of weeks. So uh, I think you could do it. I mean, <laughs> there's no reason they did it in the fall for uh, football. I mean, just because you're on virtual learning doesn't mean you can't go out and play sports, but some districts are not going to do that, but it's uh, going to be up to basically the regions to kind of decide how they want to do the playoffs. Uh, a lot of things talked about now for basketball is to um, maybe have um, each region have like a region tournament near the end of the year, and that's how you're going to determine the qualifiers. I know two regions, one here in uh, Columbia Region 5-3A, has already said that's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to have a region tournament at the end of the year, and that's going to determine their playoff seed. So uh, we'll see, and hopefully we'll get through season it's definitely been a challenge for teams stopping and starting and with districts shutting down before christmas and some haven't like you said haven't gone back so it's uh, just going to be it's a week-to-week thing uh with this uh, like we saw during football hanging out with lou Bez jack from the state paper does an amazing job covering the state in high school sports along with other sports around the palmetto state uh, you know i like that region playoff thing and i think that's something that even dorchester too hopefully just heard what you said and can can kind of we help get the word out on Twitter, but to me that's going to have to be somewhat going to happen because the, a lot of schedules I'm seeing coming out, Lou, has it where they're only playing one, one and done. There's not a home and away. It's just one. It's a season, four or five, kind of a, uh, a hot shot season, if you will, because that's basically what's going to have to happen if Dorchester County, too, and Horry County and some of the other counties I've seen that are, are holding back from doing the, uh, the, the learning in the classrooms – you know, they're not looking at maybe even starting basketball practice from what I saw in one report from a meeting yesterday until the end of January. So, I mean, we're talking February 3rd, Lou. That's, that's crazy because the playoffs are starting on the 18th. How can you get in that many games of basketball and it be a fair across the, the wings for everybody? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, uh, what people said. So, um, uh, just to make it fair, that's probably the fairest way to just do a tournament type thing and then um, go from there. And that's how you're going to determine your region um, seeds. Uh, I think wrestling could uh, kind of be the same as well. I don't know if they'll have a region tournament for wrestling or not, or wrestling you might be able to get um, at least one match uh, against each team in the region. But a lot of the teams, most of the teams across the state decided to play the same team in the, the week um, for the region thing, but if you get a week or two out, you got to make those games at the end of the year, and that, that the region tournament would be the safest way to uh, uh, make sure you get to your playoff qualifiers, and probably be the fairest way. Um, just be a matter of seeding, <laughs> especially if some teams have only played four region games, some teams two. How, how do you seed? That's going to be another thing uh, they're going to have to determine as well. Yeah, no doubt. And again, the one thing that kind of shocked me as I was sitting through. Uh, Christmas break was not a basketball game to call or anything to do when it came to the high school stuff. You know, I thought, why didn't we start basketball like we did football and make a lot of these guys start 
with region play first because we could have had all the region stuff done before Christmas, come back after the break, give them two weeks to, to quarantine, if you will, and then come back and start right into the, to the playoffs. But again, I'm just, that's out of my pay grade, number one. And I don't have a whole lot of ears bent, I guess, in that direction. So that was just, that was kind of my thought. Were you surprised when they saw, you saw all these non-region games early in basketball, and then they allowed them to play in, in the Bow Classic there in Columbia. Of course, the uh, Myrtle Beach had the beach ball as well. Well, I mean, the Bow, you only played a A lot of teams had to drop out of the Bojangles Classic. So, I mean, you didn't – I mean, you want to play those good non-region games first. I mean, you don't want to go right into region play, especially teams coming off football and not having their guys there. I, I could see a week or two, but um, – some teams did start region play in, in December, but um, I think pretty much everyone's had to stop or stop start for uh, um, most of the time. I know Keenan here uh, until last week they had only played they've only played three games, Keenan, three or four games mm-hmm. the whole year, and you got teams in Greenville area that has played 12 and 13. So it's definitely been a challenge. These kids uh, uh, got to get them healthy, but you got to get them in shape and everything. So. It's been it's been tough on the coaches and that to know what to do and, and now that a lot of them are in virtual learning again to get them back on campus and stuff like that to practice so it's going to be a challenge to get through this uh, the rest of the season but hopefully they can get it done and get it done safely. Lou Bezjack with us from the state paper up in Columbia hanging out tonight with us on Southern Sports Central. Lou, let's go to the spring sports. Uh, you know, I did see that the, the season, I believe, will start around May 15th. They talked about 24th through the 28th of May, uh, starting where they would get into the, the playoff areas, if I'm not mistaken. And then the championship game around the June 1st through the 5th with double eliminations. There's a dugout extended rule there away from the plate. A lot of that being being talked about, but with that, I'd like you to answer what you've heard in the spring, and then are they going to start letting these guys practice a little bit earlier, uh, or they're going to make them wait to a certain day before they can walk out on, on a fielding as well? No, practice starts normal February 1st uh, for all spring sports, and th- there's been conditioning. They've been doing the conditioning. Uh, if uh, Most schools, if they were able to, have been doing conditioning since um, they, they've been back in school uh, for the last week, so um, the, they're Conditioning and everything will be fine. And you mentioned, uh, like I said, uh, baseball and softball, the playoffs will start uh, later, May 15th. And uh, it's basically going to be uh, two four-team districts in each of the upper and lower states. So 16 teams make it. And then the two teams that uh, make it out of the districts will play a three-game series, best of three, for upper and lower state championship. And then state championship would be a best of three as well for baseball and softball. And it will wrap up a little bit later than normal uh, just because of everything. But on June 5th, I think um, uh, lacrosse is the earliest as far as the playoffs. I think it's sometime in April and uh, tennis um, will playoffs will begin in May. Uh, they, they actually have a site for their championships, the Florence uh, tennis center. So they'll have that. And then soccer will be, uh, later in May, in May, uh, to wrap up the championships. Now, track and field, I guess uh, they're, they're asking, maybe or requesting, not going to make them do every other lane, though. Is that something that um, that, that you kind of saw coming out and not surprised? Try to keep them separated. Yeah, it's almost impossible, though. I mean, yeah. to, especially when you have multiple team meets and that. I mean, that's a thought, but I mean, it's going to be hard to do for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that that's not going to happen. So at least most of the time. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, 
um, with that. And uh, the track uh, championships will be spread out uh, at a couple of different sites uh, in May. I don't have the dates right in front of me, but um, yeah, they'll be spread out. And uh, I think uh, at one place you might have two simultaneous, like you have the Class A and 2A championships going on kind of at the same time um, just to get everything done. So uh, it's, uh, I, I think spring sports will have it a little bit, um, hopefully a, bit, a little bit better being outside and everything and maybe this uh, the positive cases and the percent positives will kind of slow down um, into the spring and more people get vaccinated and stuff. So they might have a good chance to finish their full uh, year, which uh, they didn't have uh, last year. Yeah, no doubt, Lou. Uh, Bezjak with us now from Columbia, South Carolina, over there at the state paper. It is, if there was a sports season that was uh, COVID-friendly, it would definitely be the spring sports because they're outside. Most of them are socially distanced before they even start, like baseball. And soccer gets a little close. I get that, like track and field, a few things, but nothing like we would see in wrestling or nothing even close to basketball or football. I know lacrosse has a few close moments as well. Now, the other thing before I ask you some other things outside of high school, uh, motion passed to increase ticket prices next year for the state championship events. Uh, again, is this to make up from the loss of what happened this year? And, and, and what's your thought and why they decided to go after this uh, during a winter-spring conversation? Well, yeah, it's just to do it now because they're, they're not going to have another executive committee meeting for a couple months. So just get it out uh, now. And, yeah, that's that, that's kind of why, uh, to probably make up a little bit of lost revenue because, number one, you're having less rounds of the playoffs. And the, the earlier rounds, the teams are splitting it. The high school league's not getting any uh, the money there. So, uh, yeah, just to kind of make up for it and uh, for the limited attendance, I mean, you're going to have, um, say, we get through basketball and wrestling. I mean, you're going to have a limited attendance no matter where, what championships uh being held. So um, they haven't set the the percentage or how many, how much it's going to be. But you saw that the, in the football state championship, there was only about 1,200, 1,300 there. So we'll see. Now, Lou, of course, uh, great job covering today's event. But I got to ask you, man, is the bleeding stopped in Columbia over at the University of South Carolina? Uh, we kind of made fun earlier when one of the other sites decided to say that Auburn was trying to go after the uh, <laughs> to go after the statue as they had had a picture of uh, them. Actually, I think they were placing it uh, on the grounds at the beginning there, but Auburn was actually going after the mascot. Um, of course, lost a <laughs> defensive uh, coach uh, in, in the last 24 hours. You know the story between the offensive line coach that just came in. Of course, Mike Bobo leaving. Uh, for me, again, I, I'm, I'm optimistic here. I, I like to be positive, and I think that, you know what, the right guys are coming in at the right time. And I feel, especially with that hire that he went down and got out of Florida, along with a few others, that uh, he's putting his guys together to do something pretty big here. But what's your thoughts, as you guys covered from the state paper, from the guys that are leaving to the guys that are coming in? And are we done with the guys that are leaving yet? Uh, no, you'll probably see a few more go. I mean, that, that's just with any coaching change, you're, you're going to see that. And, uh, yeah, they, they made it clear to the coaches, uh, the press conference they had for some of the new hires on Monday. Basically, they, they want guys here that want to be here. I mean, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Just just go. And uh, that's what the, some have done, uh, the coaching staff. I mean, uh, they were going to try and keep Coach Bobo, and um, they hired uh, Will Friend to be along with him, but uh, they decided, I mean, Auburn, it's kind of hard to compete with Auburn, number one, with finances. I mean, uh, Auburn it seems to have a lot, <laughs> a lot more money to deal with and, and everything, so um, you have uh, that's tough to compete with. And now uh, Tracy Rocker leaving, I mean, that's his alma mater at Auburn. 
and I'm sure it's uh, going to be a pay raise as well for him. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been challenging. Then they, they get the, the Strahan, the strong kid that they got from uh, Georgia State to commit today. He's a, a co-leader in the nation in sacks this year, so that's a good pickup. They might be adding some more um, uh, players as well on the transfer portal, and he was the fourth to uh, transfer in. So uh, it's just going to be a lot of coming and going, and uh, Coach Beamer is definitely going to have his work cut out for him in this first year, this transition year. But uh, the main thing is to get the guys and get the coaches in place that want to be here and the players in place that want to be here, and then you can go from there. Hanging out, wrapping it up here with Lou Biz. Jack here for the first uh, for the final few minutes here as uh, he comes all the way from Columbia from the state paper. Ohio State, man, I tell you, they, they were there, and, and they got there with, what, six games prior to them beating, uh, of course, Clemson. That made it seven. They manhandled Clemson and, and definitely exposed their secondary, but then Alabama did the same to them as they won 52-24. What, what's your thoughts, uh, kind of a recap of the college football season? I mean, Alabama definitely deserved to be there, and, and we all kind of thought it'd either be who, uh, Ohio State, Clemson, or, or what, Oklahoma, maybe even a, a team out of uh, the SEC that might have been in there as well to join Alabama. But your thoughts as the uh, season wrapped up Monday night? Yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic. It just it just definitely was a weird year with COVID and everything. So um, uh, it's glad that and for everyone that took part and had a part in making sure there was a season that was – uh, hats off to everyone, uh, athletic trainers, school administrators, every, everything to get through the season. And then, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Alabama kind of, kind of cemented themselves. I don't know. I don't care who they were playing. If they were playing Clemson, Ohio State, whoever, they, they were going to be, they were clearly the best team in the country and uh, by a wide margin. And uh, we, we saw that on, on Monday. And uh, I think the same could have happened to Clemson if they would have played them. I don't know, maybe by that much, but I mean, the, the offense that they had and uh, they were able to um, pl- play strong defense against uh, Ohio State after uh, Ohio State tied it up there. But uh, the weapons they had on offense with Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, uh, Najee Harris. I mean, is a real, you're going to look back uh, 15, 20 years, and it's going to be one of the best uh, best uh, college football teams, at least offensively, that uh, you're going to see. I mean, the last two years, uh, you can make an argument with the, the LSU's team last year and just the talent on both sides. So, yeah, it's uh, hats off to uh, Alabama. They they really put their stamp on everything and to make through to get through the season and everything. Um, I think uh, you even saw Nick Saban uh, say it was uh, special, uh, how special it was to get through the year um, uh, this past year and add another championship uh, ring for him. Yeah, no doubt. Final question, big time weekend for a lot of those. NFL guys uh, is your team and I should know this answer but do you have a dog still in the fight coming in this weekend in the second round divisional or who are you going to be pulling for uh, as uh, all we got left is the NFL and they've got a couple more weeks left to entertain us yeah my my team went out this past week I'm a big Steeler fan and they uh, started strong but this uh, it was a heck of a way to end the season like they did there so it was uh <laughs> It wasn't a good way to end, and it wasn't uh, hate. Anytime you got to lose to the Browns, uh, your rivals. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a great weekend of, of playoff games. I mean, you got the Browns, the underdog, and their story against the Chiefs, and then you got Buffalo and uh, Baltimore should be a fantastic game. And you look at Tampa and New Orleans with the Brady and Breeze you got there, and then you got the Rams defense and the way they were able to shut down um, Seattle. And now they go to Green Bay. 
see if they can do it against Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully Aaron Donald will be healthy because uh, uh, their defense is really fun to watch. They're very aggressive and everything. So, yeah, I look forward to uh, uh, these uh, another weekend of games and then uh, um, uh, conference championships the week after. No doubt. Buddy, as always, Lou, you're amazing at getting back to me pretty quick and always helping when you can. Thank you so much, man. Uh, great job covering uh, in 2020, man. I can't wait to watch you do big things in 21, and I'm sure I'll see you in a gymnasium or a sideline or a baseball field here real soon, buddy. Yep, appreciate it, Richie. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, the big man himself, Lou Bizjack from the state paper all the way in from Columbia, South Carolina. Quick break, come back. I bring Eugene back, and then he and I listen to who? Well, let's listen to Nick Saban. He had a few good things to say after a big win over 24, the second team to score more than. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elvin here live with Eugene Benton coming to you live from the Southern Sports Central Studios right here in Somerville, South Carolina. I want to thank Lou Bezjack for jumping in here with us just moments ago. Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, a little bit more, I guess, Eugene, as you just heard what he had to say about, of course, uh, all that took place today in the South Carolina High School League. And, again, I, I wouldn't want to be any of those ladies and gentlemen in that room, nor would I want to be that commissioner. Well, I kind of might want to be in the room, but I definitely have a lot of respect for uh, the decisions that they actually had to make today because, again, it, it's not easy. As, of course, they cover from the coast all the way to the mountains of uh, South Carolina. Eugene? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I still have I have more questions than I do have answers, again, uh, and it seems like a common theme. But, you know, who would – you wouldn't want that job, Richie, the commissioner of the uh, high school league. Uh, you get a nice office. Uh, 
some very uh, well-paid staff. It comes with a gig. You make $154,000 a year. Um, all of your expenses for travel around the state are paid for by the state. Uh, it comes with a vehicle. I mean, that's, that's a pretty nice job. I'm sure it comes with a lot of responsibility, but it's uh, definitely something that um, I think a lot of people would be interested in if that ever position came available, which doesn't seem like it's been available for a long time or, or will be, you know, in the future. Um, again, I just I just have questions with stuff that either doesn't match up with with, with science or rulings and, and things like that. Um, like Lou said, you know, you know they're just going to cram it in. It seems like it, you know, with shortened seasons. I mean, bro, if your team plays only one region opponent uh, to get your seeding, that that does seem a bit odd with other teams playing, you know, three or four region opponents. And you got basketball where some teams are playing you know, have played 13 games. Some teams haven't played any or maybe just, you know, one or two. Uh, same thing with football. You know, there's a team in the upstate, um, the the Vasquez, uh, not Vasquez, uh, the kid um, uh, quarterback that won the quarterback for the West team in the Junior Bowl plays for that team. I think it was Broom. You know, they played one game all season. And so, yeah. It, it, it's just really hard. Um, I, I get it that it's hard, you know, to try to get everybody playing, to try to get every district on the same level with agreeing about, you know, what to do and what's safe and what's not. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I think we just, we're just going to have to paddle the boat and, and get through this year, get through this spring, and uh, keep going and, and see what, you know, turns up in the future. Hopefully, like you said, people will start getting back outside. Um when it when it starts to warm up and uh, maybe the numbers start going back down and, and we can kind of, you know, start preparing for uh, 2021 fall. Yeah, no doubt there. Let's do this. Let's take, some, uh, take a listen to, uh, of course, this guy coming up is uh, Nick Saban. As I mentioned, as we're going to kind of pull up the, uh, the, the audio now of uh, him after winning his uh, seventh national championship. He did six of them so far at Alabama. He got one of them at LSU, where, of course, uh, you guys know that's where it all started uh, as far as winning national championships for him, uh, by the way. But here's what he had to say, and you kind of heard Lou just earlier talk a little bit about it, but uh, this is Nick Saban after the 52-24 win on Monday night down in South Beach. To me, this team accomplished more almost than any team. No disrespect to any other teams that we had or any championship teams. But this team won 11 SEC games. No other team has done that. Uh, they won the SEC and went undefeated in the SEC. Uh, and then they beat two great teams in the playoffs with no real break in between. Played 13 games, went undefeated. With all the disruptions that we had in this season, uh, I think there's quite a bit to write about when it comes to the legacy of the team. Now there you see him giving credit of, uh, of a group of uh... – men that I thought did great. And you know the one guy that you, you, you hear about the wide receiver, right? We, we know the numbers that he put up, and, and you watch him just have a field day. I mean, literally a field day. And it was interesting to me because I had somebody kind of, I'm not going to say shooting for me or any of that conversation, but I will say that, you know, he and I kind of went into the conversations through social media, and he was like, man, if I was a coach, I would have this, done this way and that way. And I was like, man, do you not realize that every coach in the country – knew he was going to get the ball. Every coach in the, in the world knew that that was going to be their go-to guy. They've had how many weeks to prepare. I get it. But nobody's been able to cover him. That's why he won a Heisman. That's why he's the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since who? 
Desmond Howard back in 1995. So for me, when you start to kind of see those things, there was a ton of things that this young man did, Devontae Smith, on his record-setting 2020 season. As he went in and won the single-season reception yard there, he also had the career receiving yards for not only the SEC but Alabama. Alabama and the SEC single-season uh, receiving touchdowns. He also holds the record now at Alabama and the SEC for the career uh, reception touchdowns. Then last night, if I'm not mistaken, first wide receiver to win the Heisman. Well, it was 1991, I think, corrected uh, in the 95 conversation. It's 1991. First wide receiver to win the Heisman and the national title. Most receptions in a national championship game. Most reception touchdowns in a championship game. All of those being said, everyone knew that young man was getting the ball. There was nothing they could do. Not only that, how about the running back for Alabama? who ran through tackle after tackle after tackle and made every running back coach smile that said, don't stop until you hear the whistle and run until the end of the play. And he did that, and he kept doing that, and he kept doing that for Alabama because the wide receivers were not only catching everything thrown at him, and it looked like a very much a track meet for every Alabama guy on the sideline, even bringing off the sideline a man that went down earlier in the season. He even got in on the action. To me, this was – a team of destiny, as last year. And you've already heard the conversation, Eugene, is I wonder if this team would play LSU and beat LSU because they were the best that that team had ever seen. It's two different things. It's like comparing Michael Jordan and LeBron James. You can't. You just really honestly can't. And I know a lot of people say, well, this team beat a lot of guys that were on that team last year. Well, that's fine, but they've had a year to mature. They've had a year to gel together. That's why you saw what they did with, like you heard, Nick Saban, they did something that no other team in the SEC has ever done, play an entire SEC schedule, go undefeated, knock down, drag out, and take to the woodshed Notre Dame, and then did the same exact thing to the Ohio State Buckeyes, who I don't want to hear. Clemson fans, I do not want to hear you guys on Twitter or on social media at all about, well, we deserve to be there. You don't. You deserve to be in the semis, and then you got your clocks cleaned, and then you're out. Nor do I like seeing Gamecock fans hashtag the roll tide or whatever, whatever, because, again, I get both sides of the coin. But to me, that team last night, and look at the quarterback, by the way, who would you even know who he was on a normal basis? Maybe, not, maybe not. But that guy, I thought, looked extremely good last night, or excuse me, Monday night, as he continued to do big things. Let's look at Mac Jones's numbers. 36 for 45, 464 yards, not hard to do when you got those type of receivers, by the way. Five. Count them up with a high five. Five touchdowns in goose egg on the INT. What a great story. Not only for him, but, of course, Harris to all the way to Smith to many of those guys. And they even brought the center in, who you remember went down a few weeks back, I believe. They brought him in to get a little action as well so that he'd have one final memory and moment as well. But, Eugene – your thoughts on, on all of those topics that I just kind of touched on. And, and, and of course, uh, and I want you to get everything there because I mentioned the Tigers. I mentioned, of course, uh, the Buckeyes, who I, I do believe they deserve to be there. I just don't think unless Jesus Christ himself brought 12 disciples down here and had one of them standing on the sideline would I have a chance to beat a team like Alabama this year. You know, I was thinking actually the same thing. It's funny, before you brought up Matt Jones, I was actually pulled up his stats. And, you know, to me – uh, I thought Mac Jones should have been the MVP of the game. I know it went to Devonta Smith, um, and, and I don't have a huge gripe against it. 
um, you know, because he broke a ton of records. You know, he did suffer that, that injury, unfortunately, and played the first half or, or basically the first half only. But I know – so Matt Jones ended up going 36-45. There was one point in the game that was the start of the third quarter when he was 18 of 20. And uh, both of those incompletions had hit receivers in the hands. Um, hmm. You know, and, and I know Devontae was hot, you know, with the whole, you know, everybody following him. Uh, there was other receivers in this game. Uh, and, and we'll just look at the receivers. Uh, uh, Mechie, the third, was a guy that I really hadn't heard of a whole lot coming in. You know, he had eight catches for 81 yards. He had 10, 10 yards of carry. Najee Harris, the, out of the backfield, seven receptions for 79 yards, 11 a carry. Waddell, three for 34. Billingsley, two for 27. Uh, and, and speaking of Waddell, that was a guy that, you know, uh, a lot of people weren't too happy with him playing in the game. Right. Um Bolden, three catches for 16, and Xavier Williams, uh, one catch for 12. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys uh, catching 36 balls. And I just thought that he distributed the ball well. Obviously, he didn't he didn't uh, throw any interceptions. I know he got tasked, uh, I believe he got charged for that fumble early in the game. Um, but I just, to me, I thought the quarterback for Alabama, he even played through. He got popped a good, you know, uh, there. I think it was the third quarter. Uh, fought through it, looked to be in some pain, uh, but, you know, stood out there as a general, you know, because this wasn't – he wasn't a game manager. A lot of the Alabama quarterbacks have been known to be, quote-unquote, game managers. You know, don't throw an interception, hand the ball off, make sure you put it in the running back's gut so that he gets it nice and tight and, and, and can get five, six yards down the field. Uh, to me, Mac Jones just uh, – he put the ball where it needed to be. You know, the receivers run open, but the quarterback overthrows them, underthrows them, you know, throws it to the wrong team. Uh, you know, you can have the greatest receiving core there is. If you don't have a guy to deliver the mail, you know, they're not going to be able to catch it. So, um, you know, that was the thing to me that the only question um, – the only criticism of it is I just thought Matt Jones should have been the MVP. Uh, it, it was, you know, just reading some of the social media uh, tweets, especially on Twitter during the game, uh, just the people, you know, the whole uh, uh, Coach Sark is playing, you know, 3D chess and the other guys playing old school checkers. I mean, yeah, it, it did. It seemed like most things that he was throwing up, uh, you know, the high school coaches were even picking apart, you know, having a, a linebacker run with uh, Devontae Smith, who just won the Heisman, you know, seemed a bit silly. Uh, what they didn't understand, I guess, was if you further broke the film down, you know, there were other busts in the coverage. And, you know, hats off to uh, the Alabama coaching staff. They planned well, prepared well, executed well. And that's what it takes to win a national championship because Ohio State wasn't a bad team. Alabama just was that good this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, we we can go into all the the you know all, all of that instead. I, I get it, but again, this is a very, I, I think, deep, extremely deep. I mean, these guys have been together for quite some time, but very deep receiving core. That, that again, you you opened up the doors for the running back Harris, who by the way ended up thirty thirty touchdowns in the SEC. That's huge. After you and I both know what they do in defensive uh, formats there, and, and for me. You know, I look at it in the bigger picture, too. Look at the defense for Alabama. While we've given these guys so much hard times about, well, this is an offensive team. You know, Nick Saban used to be the defensive teams win championships. 
not as much now as he talked highly about his offense and this quarterback, Jones, who, again, I thought did an incredible job managing the game. And I agree. I think it was tough not to give it to the Heisman because he was just catching everything. I mean, just looked like it was a video game in his mind. But somebody had to throw it to him. I mean, we talk about some of the catches that they make. I saw some highlights. I've been watching a lot of stuff here with the, uh, the high school blitz and us are, are going through trying to select some, some big ballers winning different awards. And, and I'm looking at certain catches that I'm like, okay, well, that's great that he caught it between three or four receivers, but look at the quarterback putting it in between those receivers. You know, that's kind of what I saw a lot, not as much on Monday night because these, these receivers were just honestly breaking away from, from, the, from, from, the, from the line. But, you know, it was just an overall – performance a clinic and opportunity for us to see an Alabama defense I thought that again you haven't heard a lot about they didn't give up much did they now and they turned it over they got the ball back when need be and I thought a lot of guys on the defense didn't do anything but improve their draft status because they were not going to not get drafted I just don't think they were going to be first rounders but I think a few guys came out last uh, Monday night probably coming out of the first round what are your thoughts of the defense yeah, you know, the defense, especially the secondary, played uh, really, really well. Uh, Alabama's defensive front, um, I think, proved that, you know, hey, you know, don't forget about us. You know, we're usually the forefront of all media attention, you know, the defense, the linebackers, the DBs. Um, and I think all year long, you know, they heard just how great the Alabama offense was. This is the, the changing of the guard, so to speak, at Alabama, and the way it was. Uh, but the way they came out, you know, and, I know it was an injury, but they got, you know, Trey Sermon out of the game early. Uh, Master Teague did have a couple good runs. You know, but you're talking about elite running backs. They're going to get theirs. I don't care how great an NFL defensive line is. You know, the opposing uh, running back is going to get a little bit. That doesn't mean they're going to get 200 yards. doesn't mean they're going to get 150. But at this kind of level, when you're talking about, you know, for example, a Super Bowl, if you want to compare it to Super Bowl, uh, you're going to have two very talented teams on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I think, you know, overall, you know, the, after they gave up that rushing touchdown where the guy kind of did that kind of off tackle to the left and kind of bounced it outside for Teague, after that, for the most part, you know, they didn't give up anything in the rushing game. Um, you know, and, and Fields didn't hurt them too bad running the ball either. Uh, you know, so I think Alabama's, uh, you know, front four uh, kind of came into this thing probably with a chip on their shoulder and said, you know, uh, don't forget, you know, we are probably, you know, as a position group, uh, some of the guys that actually, you know, put this program back on the map. It certainly wasn't, you know, the quarterback. And, you know, it wasn't really the receiver position. It's been, you know, that defense and running backs. And, uh, you know, for the past couple of years, Alabama, certainly if you look at the NFL draft, going back to Judy and, uh, you know, the first big-time receiver that came out and got drafted by the Falcons, you know, I guess and they've been just kind of, Saban just kind of took over uh, the idea in 2000 and uh, probably say eight or so, it seems like it started with the Jimmy Johnson type. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Johnson type yeah. of offense where it was, you know, have a, a managing quarterback, a great running back, play great defense and have that big play wide receiver. Like, you know, much like the Cowboys did when they had success with the Michael Irvin, where that's morphed is instead of one big play receiver, they have like five. So, you know, it's like pick your poison on defense because we're going to sting you uh, and then we're going to go up and force you outside of your comfort zone and then just pin the ears back on our defense. And that's what it seemed that it's kind of you could see kind of transition mid-second quarter into that. And I won't 
brag a little bit. Well, maybe I might, though, because I did have it probably closer than anybody else, did I not, on our pick part on Monday night, because I had I, I was a touchdown shy of uh, what Alabama would have scored. They actually, they would have held ground with that one right before they got the 52 on the board, but I nailed the Ohio State 24. So, uh, you know, I don't know if we can go back and look and see as far as uh, it, it doesn't get a whole lot more closer than that for me. And then you're talking about the other 45, 24. 45. Who had it? Smitty. Smitty had 24. All right, let's go back and look at it. But that being said, when you, you talked about Julio Jones earlier, by the way, Julio Jones, I will never forget the catch that he had. I believe he was – literally his leg is broke or, or spa, and his hands are spazzing as he was catching that one pass in the end zone. We knew right then and there that guy was going to be a, a legit player. We talk a lot about other coaches, but when you get named above a guy like Bear Bryant, that's a big deal. And what happened on Monday night was an even bigger deal because he got seven national championships, and that, of course, is Nick Saban. I want you to hear what uh, he had to say about the conversation about him being compared to now above the mark of a guy, of course, known as the Bear, who put Alabama on the map as known as Titletown. That's the quarterback there talking about his head coach. And there you heard earlier the head coach of Alabama, Nick Saban, paying homage to a guy who, again, you know, when I think of legendary coaches, uh, you know, I think of Bear Bryant. Uh, you know, you, you think of a lot of names that kind of come uh, to, your, to your mindset in, in college, right? And, again, when you start to kind of look at the list uh, that's put together here from the, the, the Nick Sabans of, of the world, and, again, Coach Saban has done it and done it in fashion, but you can't think about – without talking about Woody Hayes, Ohio State, how fitting is that? He's sitting at five. And then Bernie Berneman – or Beerman, excuse me, there with five as well. You know, and I don't think Nick Saban's done, by the way. That's the scary part is I don't think he's done. And I think the one thing that you kind of look at and you put things in, in conversa- conversations that, you know, here we are now with Nick Saban. And, again, he's, he's I believe he's in his early 70s. Is that right? Is that about right there? I think early 70s is where he sits right now in the H bracket. We're going to look that up. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was around six, uh, 68, but uh won't take us for a second. Maybe early, yeah, maybe late. Right. So, either way, I mean, this is a guy who has done big things. And, again, you know, uh, when, you, when you talk about He's Alabama. 69 You know, it's old. had 69. Okay. So, I was, we, were, we were in that ballpark. Now, of course, um you you look and see what's been done here. Alabama's had a player selected in the first round every year since when? 2008. Now, five different drafts with four players selected each in the first round. 
you're going to start seeing a lot of numbers coming out of here, a lot of facts put together here as they start to really look at this dynasty place that they call Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which I have had a chance to spend a couple of years going back and forth there uh, a few years ago. And, and it's a different place. And I know a lot of people saw a lot of those fans in the stands. You saw even somebody dressed like Forrest Gump back in the day when he was running, running down the streets. You saw people in the trees. You saw an abundance of excitement. And you would think that, that, that they're just used to doing that. You know, again, I was in Tampa just a few years ago when they beat got beat by Clemson with Hunter Renfro in the end zone and Alabama fans in the stands, they stayed longer in the stands than Clemson fans because they had no idea. What do you do in a situation like this if you don't win? We don't know. We have no idea. We know we celebrate, we win, and then we come back and do it again. And they do that year after year after year. Now, the one thing we won't do on this show today is we won't talk about the, well, too early, or what do they call it? I guess the um, – the the, the, the the early picks to win the national championship in uh, 2021. We're going to enjoy the 2020 season and all that it's given us here as uh, we'll take a break here now and we'll reset here going into the top of hour number two because we've got to get the bus as it sounds like it's pulled all the way up over there in Conway, South Carolina, right outside of Myrtle Beach on the Grand Strand where the legendary program that's being built as you heard in Alabama, well, guess what? In, in Myrtle Beach and, of course, Coastal Carolina, these guys have done some things as well. So a lot of history was made in Conway, South Carolina. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll be heading over and talking to the recruiting guy of the Coastal Carolina, Sean Clear. That's Coach Doyle. He's the director of recruiting over there right out of this break. Guys, don't go anywhere. Hour two to follow right after this.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellen alongside Eugene Benton, coming to you live from Southern Sports Central Studio right outside of Charleston, South Carolina, down here in Somerville, where we're bringing you another hour of sports radio. Of course, I'm Rich Yellen alongside Eugene Benton. You can find us, follow us, and hang out with us on the World Wide Web over on Twitter at SO Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports. So a lot to be talked about here as we're waiting here for the coach of uh, – Director of Recruiting for the Coastal Carolina Shawnee Clears. Coach Doyle going to be joining us here in, in just a little bit, Eugene. And once he does, we'll bring him in in style with uh, a song that he's gotten to know and love quite well of his uh, Shawnee Clears. But until then, uh, you know, we, we look into uh, the crystal ball and uh, we, we see good things happening for Coastal. And definitely uh, the, the art department, the graphics, the recruiting, I mean, it all seems to be clicking at the right time. And I'm really impressed that they're loving on the dudes in our own state because we got a lot of guys that leave the state that I really feel that can contribute to not only, you know, bigger schools like South Carolina and Clemson, but man, they can do it at the other big school on the grand strand. And that's coastal, man. Yeah, I agree. And it's actually, uh, you know, with his birthday going on, we'll, we'll be excited to get him in here. <laughs> He's actually a young dude. I was actually kind of curious as to, you know, when he, when he uh, mentioned it was his birthday, how old he was. Uh, I know he's been the director of recruiting. I think this is his first year as the director of recruiting, but uh, we'll be interested to get him in here and uh, learn his background and, and see where he's from and, and, you know, kind of how he made it to this position. And also, too, you know, what's he looking forward to? You know, kind of what's he hearing about the, uh, you know, the big hearing coming up in the next day or uh, next couple of days from the NCAA because, you know, the big thing that they do, uh, you know, he has an on-campus director of recruiting is, you know, these relationships with high school coaches, with the kids, um, and see kind of how they've adapted to that uh, during that and, and kind of, you know, when, when they get the green light, you know, what, what's the plan, man? Are they, uh, you know, just kind of mashing the gas and taking off and or, uh, you know, that they kind of, you know, kind of step back into it a little slowly, maybe a little cautiously, you know, so we kind of interested without, you know, obviously uh, him giving up any secrets of the uh, or tools of the trade. Just kind of curious as to, you know, you know, the plan going forward once they get that green light, um, you know, and having kids on campus or, or getting out to see kids and that kind of thing. Once you can finally do that kind of face-to-face uh, thing that's been banned, you know, going back to what um, I want to say since, uh, what, February or March of last year. And so um, – okay. You know, I talked to him recently. He did say that, you know, he was looking forward to uh, hopefully having some camps because this would be his first time as the uh, the recruiting director uh, and coordinator having the camp. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I hear he I see he just jumped on the line. So, you know, let's turn the mic over to someone uh, very more important than me. All right, hold tight as we'll bring him in, the birthday guy himself, uh, with a nice little introduction here. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, we bring him in as Coach Devin Doyle, all the way from Coastal Carolina, the Shot of Clears, back in action here <laughs> at Southern Sports Central. And it's also, it's a big day because this guy is turning another year older as we wish you a very happy birthday, Coach Doyle, on the 13th day of wow. January, my friend. 
Oh man, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank y'all for having me. Man, I wanted to, I was gonna bring yeah. in on Stevie Wonder, and I thought, man, I don't know, do I do Stevie Wonder and the Happy Birthday oh, song? Oh man, or I do. Hey, I break you, down the. You, <laughs> you you could have done that. I would have been hyped. <laughs> I was like, man, I, it was it was a tough call. And to be honest with you, I'd pick straws in my own yard. I got, I went back to the house and grabbed what I needed to come to the studio. And and I thought, man, well, I don't know what to do. So many choices. I said, you know what? I'm just blessed that he's here on his birthday. Which, by the way, you're you're what? How old are you today, by the way, Coach? Are we allowed to ask uh, you that question? Yeah, yeah, you good. I ain't scared to tell nobody. Uh, Coach Tadwell <laughs> thinks I'm 40, but I'm turning 31 today. your <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's what he told me today. He told me he said uh, he said uh, happy happy fortieth birthday. You don't look a day older than thirty one. <laughs> oh God, that's great. Well, you know what's crazy? We actually share a week of the same birthday because I'll turn forty three on Friday, man. So us Capricorns are there's a lot of cool oh, yeah. born in January this time of year. You know what hey, that man. is just me. We, I, I think I definitely notice it. I I think uh, you know there's the. Then you got the Leos and the and the the Tauruses, all those other people that think they rule the year. But hey, Capricorns, we set the year off every year. So right, that's what I said. I said, man, how can you not love on us when we're, of course, uh, yeah. right at the beginning of the year, yeah. man? It's the first, you know, again, it's like NASCAR. They start with Daytona at the beginning for a reason. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no I'm doubt, with you, uh, Coach. Uh, so first of all, you know, uh, a little background. I'm originally from Myrtle Beach. I went to Sackacy, grew up in Surfside, man. Back in the day, there was no football game that Coastal was holding on campus. And I'm sure you've heard all the stories <laughs> of the graveyard and Conway and, and all that stuff. So I played on that field. It was just turned a different angle. But, uh, man, I tell you what, if, they, if, the, if the Stones across the street could talk, I'm sure they would say a lot, but they would be talking a lot about some of those big games and names that have come through there before. But now, holy moly, what a great season you guys just oh, kept man. turning it up. I mean, that song was played, it seemed like, every 30 seconds because you guys were putting points <laughs> on the board. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely a, uh, a a very blessed year. Um, I can't, you know, I don't think there's any more words left that I have to say to, see, to, to say how proud I am of this team, uh, the staff that put together this uh, – uh, this season as well, and, um, and and very well made a statement to the conference that we are, you know, we're the youngest one in the Sun Belt, but um, not too long um, we to experience this type of uh, success was definitely a beautiful thing to be a part of. Yeah, and you guys actually ended up finishing off in the top 15 in the country. Again, I, I don't really look at a lot of these because I think you guys should have been in the top eight in the country as you guys finished 11 and 1. Uh, you did a great job all year long in the fun belt, a.k.a. the sun belt. Hadn't even been there that long, yeah. like you mentioned. I mean, it was. It seemed like just yesterday they were in this league called the, the Big South, doing big things then as well. Of course, uh, Coach Chadwell was down here at Charleston <laughs> Southern, so he, he's very familiar with Coastal before he got here. But, you know, for, for what you do, by the way, coming in here, and, and I want to tell everybody the head coaching job is important. Every job on every staff is important, but the director of recruiting, I didn't mean you, by the way, to make you spit your food out the other night. When that thing came to me, I was not feeling well, so I probably uh, probably should have been asleep, not on this Twitter world. But <laughs> I can only imagine you sitting there and your wife looking at you, going, "Really, dude? You're going to spit across the table? What are you reading? Get off your phone." Uh, no. <laughs> it was. It, it shook me a little bit because I was like, "No." Usually, you know, uh, we we tend to get alerts about those a little bit ahead of time, or or some sort of, you know message about what potentially could happen. So 
that that kind of shook me a little bit. But um, with the uh, with the platform of what's been what's been given to us recruiting wise right now, obviously um, in the midst of COVID, um, everything it's almost like everything that we have to plan for is for anything that's told to us. We still have to take it as it's tentative, you know, because you're in the next coming month or the, the next coming two or three months, you know, something can change. Um, so having to put together those plans and, and that's a big part of uh, my job as the director of recruiting is really just the planning and um, having the system of how we, you know, going from evaluations to phone calls to, you know, keeping relationships with uh, the high school coaches and, um, and then on the back end, when the guys who we recruit, they commit, they sign, you know, uh, handling them actually getting into school and getting all, all the way to that process of getting them on campus, um, which is, is a lot of background stuff, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with that, too. Hanging out right now with uh, the big man on campus, especially this time of year, recruiting is oh. always on the <laughs> forefront in January, Coach. And, of course, you're the director uh, Coach Doyle hanging out with us here on his birthday night here on a on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Coach, how hard has it been though? Because it seems uh, not that recruiting is ever easy, and I couldn't imagine doing what you guys are able to continue to do. And I'm extremely proud of you guys, as I'm an Horry County fellow myself. But how hard is it even more now than it's ever been? And I applaud your, by the way, your media department and your graphics department because I think you guys have set a tone not only in in the course of the Sun Belt but across the country because now you're seeing everybody else having to keep up with what you guys are doing. And that is giving those kids the bling and, and the, as they call it, the drift, I guess, in, uh, <laughs> in social media world. Right. Um, with this um, saying how hard it is, um, honestly, I'm, I think I'm, I think a little bit different. Um, when you think about the Shauna clear story for 2020, the basis of it is, overcoming adversity so even in the recruiting process and i would say this is for both ends us on the college that are at the college level and then the the prospects that are um looking to make that next step into the college level um COVID is a challenge it's definitely created some adversity but if you look at what we were able to do in the midst of that it's definitely once you once you put your mind to it, you put together a plan and things like that, you can reap the benefits of that plan. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's been hard. It just, it's forced us to uh, identify in different ways and bring in new ideas of how you are going to uh, show the experience, the Shauna Clear experience to the recruits. Um, that definitely helps when you have um, the media team and the graphics team here because not social media has been has pretty much become that vehicle to be able to show them as much as you possibly can. Are we hurt that we haven't necessarily been able to have that face to face uh contact and actually have them here? Absolutely. But um, you know, you can't spend too much of your time uh sulking and being upset in that situation because at the end of the day we still gotta we still gotta identify the right fit for our program and continue to win games with those guys. Hanging out with the, of course, big man, like I keep saying on campus, the director of recruiting, Coach Devin Doyle, hanging out here from Myrtle Beach, as they say, uh, South Carolina. They're balling on the beach, and they did that indeed over there on the Grand Strand. Uh, the address is Conway. I know that. 
but but again, I, I I'm not giving Conway any of that over here. I'm a Soxy guy, coach, and I don't know if you know about the rivalry between the two. We're not doing it there. <laughs> I've but I will say this: <laughs> I looked at your resume, coach. Extremely impressed, by the way. As I, I found out, of course, that you graduated in uh, from uh, is it from Troy? It is one of the uh, places. That, of course, you did some coaching there for some time. You also spent some time with Virginia as well as uh, Army. Man, you're talking about three different spectrums, learning multiple things. I'm sure from multiple people, from Army to Virginia to Troy, lands you on the campus there in uh, Conway or Myrtle Beach or Bird Coastal. Tell me about your, uh, your 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 path that led you. To coastal this year to get this opportunity to, to lead this uh, recruiting operation. Um, all right, I'll, I'll kind of start in the beginning. I was a high school coach first. Um, I did coaching in, in Alabama for two seasons before getting into college ball as an intern at my alma mater at Troy. Not going to say too much about them anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, UVA was my first um, Being honest, everyone in this industry Usually has a story UVA was my first paid job um, Army mm-hmm. is probably where I did The most uh, Growth career wise um, Because uh, recruiting at an academy Is, is completely different But uh, the biggest thing About what led me here to Coastal um, I think The first conversation That I had with Coach Chadwell um, usually when you bump into certain people, you kind of, um, and you have a genuine conversation with them, you, you gravitate towards them or you kind of, you know, you kind of identify whether you feel like that's somebody you, that you really see yourself meshing with or not. Um, and, and the vision and plan that, that Coach Chadwell has for this, uh, had for Coastal Carolina, um, that's what attracted me here. Um, I can honestly tell you that, you know, it's been a full circle um, thing for me um, and my uh, getting here at Coastal Carolina because I've done more growth professionally, more growth even spiritually. Um, I enjoy coming to work with these guys at this, uh, at this, in this program, in this football family. Um, that's, you know, not from the coaching staff, from, you know, I know you've talked to uh, Coach uh, Colton Corn. Uh, Matt Pierce, mm-hmm. the graphics team that we have here, the entire athletics department, the relationships I've made with uh, student-athlete academics and compliance here. It's, it's, uh, there's a difference between saying it's about family and putting that on a graphic and then actually getting here and experiencing it on a, di- on a daily basis. And um, I needed that feel to feel that way, but that first conversation that I had with Coach Chadwell was what brought me what made me decide, like, hey, this is where I want to be. This is, um, and this is who I want to help, you know, bring in, um, be a part of what brings in that type of success that ultimately we ended up having here in 2020. Hanging out right now with the director of recruiting over there at Coastal Carolina, Shauna Clears, by the way, had a, I mean, game changing season. His records were set and smashed and created from the beginning all the way to the end there. And of course, uh, Coach Chadwell <laughs> gets a ton of honors. And, uh, Coach, i got to give you a, a couple of thousands of game balls as well because seeing what you're doing is, is just uh, shows that it takes a team, it takes a family, it takes a unit to do what you guys are doing. I'm going to go back in a minute and ask you about your uh, head coaching job. So that kind of gives you an opportunity, as you did it in Alabama, by the way, and I've got some connections to Alabama. I'm curious where you were at. But have you had a chance or were, were you in any of those amazing uh, post-game WrestleMania with uh, Colton Corn and, and doing that uh, flying from high above off the ladder. Did you get any, any of that? 
<laughs> no, no. I was uh I was I was basically watching from afar um in the <laughs> locker room. Um that that takes a certain level of energy and probably maybe maybe if I was five years younger I probably would have took part. <laughs> Yeah, because I tell you, I watched him come down, and I thought to myself, I didn't know it was him until we watched uh, Sports Center, and then you know he had been on the show with us a couple of times, and then when he came back on, of course, that was my leading question with him. Now let's go back to Alabama, coach, because I love the history of, about what lands you guys. We tell our kids all the time, your testimony is, is a huge part of who you are today. Never be ashamed of where you came from. Always look back just to see how far you've come. And, and you've done it, Coach. Uh, where were you at? Did you grow up in Alabama? Did you go to the school? Tell me your time in Alabama because it seems like not only do they put out great players, uh, I'm seeing great coaches coming out of this uh, state as well. Yeah. So, um, I and correction, I was not a head coach at in, in Alabama. I was a position coach. So, I took a okay. – um, I, I grew up – I'm actually born and raised in Virginia. Um, but – my, uh, I was raised by a single father there, and I jumped way out the nest and went to college in Alabama. I kind of uh, wanted to, you know, give that, let that be my chance to grow into my own man. But uh, in 2013 was my first year as a coach at the high school level. I was the cornerbacks coach and special teams coordinator at Ayrton High School, very small school. Um, it was a two-way school with about 200, 225 kids, K through 12. Um we did have uh, those two seasons that I coached there, 2013, 2014. Um, we had two kids in those two years end up going uh, to Division One level of football. One went to Auburn and one walked on at Troy. Um, but uh, that experience I needed um, to definitely – it helped – I grew more in love with football as a coach um, in those two years. And then um, moving on to my intern uh, internship role, that's where I grew into loving the recruiting aspect of college football. And I always tell anybody that's ever asked for my story is, is that, um, you know, being a, a young African-American male um, that was raised by a single father where my story is very unique, um, the relationships that I get to, to um, create in this recruiting world, um, to me, um, having a certain level of integrity, a certain level of uh, diligence and discipline and responsibility with it is my good deed to the younger generation that I feel like is going to need that to help transition um, when they take those first steps out of their parents' homes after they graduate high school into tra- uh, going to, you know, developing into a young man in a, in a uh, college football program. And I would coach Devin Doyle. He is the, Director of Recruiting over there at Coastal Carolina, the Sean and Clears, hearing the, the, the testimony from where he's been to now where he's at. And let's get back to where you're at, Coach, and that is recruiting, where uh, this is a huge deal. And, and, and we talk to athletes. We normally have an athlete or two on our show throughout the year, throughout the, uh, the, the show during the year, Coach, and, and the frustrations have set in for this very, uh, you know, you, you talk about a class who did not get to experience uh, pep rallies. They didn't experience being a true, honest-to-God senior on their football team. There were so many things, and it actually hit me last night as I was looking through one of my feeds, and a young lady that plays softball at a local high school down here said, look, check on our seniors. They're not okay, because even though last year, the class of uh, 2020 didn't get to have their spring, the class of 21 didn't really have anything when it came to fall. Sure, they got six or seven games here and there, but the actual experience, the memories that you would make 
on the bus rides were different. The memories of a, of a pep rally were different. Coach, and I know there's been a lot of guys that you've been sitting down and talking to about this, that you're recruiting there to Coastal to be a part of the continuing legacy that you guys are building over there on the beach. But for the kids that are listening right now, the moms that are listening right now, Coach, uh, give us some wisdom. Give them some hope. Give them something because I know they're sending you guys film after film, but they want to make sure, of course, that they're doing it the right way. So what would you suggest to a young man or a young woman who's getting ready to graduate in this upcoming uh, spring? Um, my, uh, my wisdom for them is to not be shaken by the adversity that, that, um, that you're experiencing at the time. Um, there are plenty of schools out there and I know without the avenues of what the traditional recruiting process, um, can definitely be a frustrating thing, but I would definitely tell them to, um, continue doing, uh, sending out your film to, the right avenues, calling to, to follow up, and, um, and then also even asking the question of, you know, are you sending it to the right person to, to get it evaluated and things like that, and also continue to, um, on their end, they're going to have to identify the schools that, act, that they really favor and do all of the research. Um, do the research of the coaching staff. Do the research of the, of the school. The school is what you absolutely have to fall in love with, um, and even with that time crunch, um, understand that there are so many great stories that come out of adversity and not letting up, continue to be consistent in, in uh, what you're trying to reach, and um, the good things will definitely follow. Hanging out with a birthday guy here on the show today, Coach uh, Doyle, all the way from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the director of recruiting over there with the Sean and Clears, dropping a little bit of that knowledge here on the show here tonight. As, uh, again, adversity builds what? Character, guys. And that's when you find the true person who you are, uh, of course. And my thoughts there, Coach, when it comes down to some of the challenges uh, in, in my past, I've always looked back at that as well. Now, for, for me, Coach, you, you mentioned something that kind of triggered me and, and raised an eyebrow, getting in touch with the right person. So, for example, if I'm a wide receiver or if I'm a quarterback, is there somebody different? that I need to be sending this film to other than a linebacker or a DB? You know, do I need to be finding out the position coaches? Uh, who, who would you suggest that they are sending these films to during this time? I think you can do it in a way of making sure you're sending it to whatever recruiting staff is probably on a staff directory and then including the position coach on that and even adding, you know, um, the GA that may work on the offense or defense um, and at the end of the day, sending an email, obviously everybody knows that uh, social media is a heavy piece of that too. Um, so, you know, following their Twitter handles and, and uh, getting in the DM as well. Now, Coach, coming up on the 20th, we're going to be uh, hopefully hearing some news uh, that is going to pull back some of the restraints that you guys are they're hoping for. And, again, our fingers, our toes, and – Everything that we can imagine are, are, are definitely crossed here at Southern Sports Central. But, you know, um, what is your thoughts? I mean, because we're hearing things, and, and we don't talk about the C word on this, and we're not going to talk about what we heard on this. And I told Eugene that earlier. I said, look, when we get Coach on, don't, don't say that because it's his birthday, so we got to be nice to him. But, Coach, what, what's your thoughts? I know you guys are all talking across the country, uh, all of you guys that do recruiting and the directors, right? Right. So, and that, that goes hand in hand with uh, compliance as well. Um, those guys do on that level, 
Um, they've got different jobs, and I always say that that's 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 ahead of my pay grade. Um, but <laughs> with the with the things that are um, that we're kind of anticipating that everybody is is, is talking about, I think it's. Um, I will say what was unfortunate was the most re- recent meeting not happening um, for the causes or whatever. I you know I totally understand it, but um, I do think that. Um, They've got to be definitely uh, very steadfast with the uh, with the COVID situation that's created um, everyone. That's kind of changed the entire recruiting platform. Uh, so hopefully they do what the rest of us are pretty much expecting, in my opinion. Um, and then I think those are things that would would definitely help college football as a whole. Wrapping it up here with Coach Devin Doyle, Coastal Carolina's director of recruiting here on Southern Sports Central. First of many, Coach, as he turned a little day older, 31. Uh, again, happy birthday to you, Coach. Uh, give me a moment, man. <laughs> what was you. your best memory in, uh, <clears throat> when you were 30? It seems so far ago that uh, you were 30 now. But uh, what's, what was kind of your highlight of this past season with the Shauna Clears? Because you guys had a billion of them to pick from. <laughs> highlight of the season for me um, – the first time that I saw myself sitting in awe, honestly, was was the win against BYU. Um, I probably went about I probably went about thirty minutes of just uh, being utterly speechless. Um, and anybody asked me, it was like, "Coach Doyle, you all right? Coach Doyle, you all right?" And I'm, I just told him, I said, "Look, man, I'm just basking in the Lord's grace, you know." Because I think at the end of um, working in this industry, you know, that was a a you know, a very, very good team that we played, having college game day uh, here. It was just one of those uh, jaw-dropping, beautiful moments that sometimes in this industry, you don't know if you're ever going to become, you know, to be a part of that. Um, and with that being a huge moment, you know, that was when I had to, you know, I, I turned 30 in the COVID year. Quarantine happened in the spring. I did get a new job, but you know, I didn't sign my contract until May and things like that. So there was so much uncertainty going on through that year. So getting to that BYU game, I was like, you know, I, I think this has been the best 30, 30 year that anybody's ever had. <laughs> and um, Yeah, uh, definitely uh, one to remember, Coach. Yeah, I, that, that game is definitely going to stick to me with the way that it ended, with the way that it was played throughout the uh, – throughout the game and then just having, you know, ESPN college game day, you know, as, as a, as a family member of the Sean and clear family, like we, I get to say that I was a part of, you know, a college game day win at coastal Carolina. Oh, um, you guys brought in a team from across the country who had a Heisman trophy quarterback uh, recommendation or nominee or however they want to say it. I mean, again, there's a story that kind of continues. And thanks to Coastal being on college game day, I had no idea that the hottest thing on that campus is a three-wheel cycle powered by Starbucks. Where in the world that thing come from? <laughs> That's got to be the hottest thing chased around that campus, right? Oh, man. Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the smartest person in the world, by the way. Whoever owns that tricycle. And, by the way, my sister graduated from uh, Coastal years ago, man, so she's a big-time shot and clear. But uh, I told her, I said, look, I know you guys got a mascot, you got that cool field, and you got a lot of wins, but 
the biggest winner is that tri- that tricycle, and whoever's riding on that thing with Starbucks behind them or in front of them. <laughs> I gotta find out who that is too. <laughs> yeah, because I want to put some stuff on. I got some brands I need to throw on the side of the coach. Uh, man, let me get you back to the family. Thank you so much. We had Coach Chadwell with us, as you uh, mentioned. We had Coach Corn. You know, you guys have been so amazing and, and such a blessing. You know, I, I take pride in what you guys are doing. And uh, the final thing, I'm going to ask you this, and I ask Coach this because I can tell you, being a kid that, that grew up playing high school sports uh, in, in the spring and in the fall, the hardest job for our coaches weren't to teach us the plays. It was to keep us from trying to get to the beach, right? I mean, even though you guys are rolling <laughs> at the beach, uh, you, that's, that's, sometimes that's a, that's a hindrance as much as it is a help to get them there, right? But um, yeah. what's kind of the thing for you, Coach, uh, when you're getting them there, do you kind of say, hey, look, you don't got to bring any sand to the beach because we got you? But just so you can't go to the beach until after the end of the season? Uh, if, if you're talking about the COVID situation here as, as right now, I think um, especially with the group of seniors that we have here, that leadership is really what turns it into uh, making it easier to get people to understand that, hey, you know, you've come here to be a student and be the, the best player that you can be. And there's a level of responsibility you got to have. Um, definitely don't want to take away from them experiencing college and having their fun. But um, the senior leadership here definitely helped um, put that vision in those kids that, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish. And this is the type of level, the level of responsibility that, you know, you're going to need to take if we want to reap the benefits of the type of season that we want to have. Um and I think really that's – I think once the, once the young guys get here and they see that type of leadership, they, they're expected to turn into that same type of person and handle it a certain way. And I think the senior leadership that we had here in the 20 season, that's something that's – out of all of the places I've been, it's been top-notch. Um, so I definitely tip my hats off uh, to, to those guys, and uh, luckily for us, We've got a good bunch of them coming back uh, so we get to take another shot in 21. It'll be a good season, Coach. Uh, congratulations on the success. I continue to look forward to watching the Twitter world over there and watching what you guys do. I'm going to reach out to you uh, in another day because I want you to enjoy the rest of your birthday, but I do want to catch back up with you off the air. But I want to say this from all of us to all of you guys over there in uh, Charlotte Clear Country over there in uh, Conway, South Carolina, congratulations on a great season. Coach Chadwell, of course, got a lot of rec- recognized things there. And, of course, uh, it, it, I guess you, you would definitely say it was a perfect season with a perfect group of men and some women, by the way. Your trainers, I thought, did a great job. But thank mm-hmm. you again for giving up some time on your birthday. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys having me. And, um, and I appreciate you got what you guys do here for the state of South Carolina as well. And, um, you know, I don't want to – I do want to throw this out there that you know, I don't walk around here like I'm the big man on campus. I think I have the biggest team. Um, I, I I work with the best team in college football. And I think that's a biggest that's a big thing that helped us uh, turn the year into what it was. Well, coach, once this thing slows down a little bit, I'm going to come home visit my parents, and then I'm going to take a, a little drive over there off of 544 and uh, hit the golf cart with you and let you ride, a, ride me around <laughs> campus and, and show me some of the cool stuff that you guys are doing, man. But, again, happy birthday between uh, from Eugene, myself, and all of us here at Southern Sports Central Coach, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, now, thank you, guys. Y'all have a good one, too.
You got it, ladies and gentlemen. There he goes. And all the way from the Grand Strand, we catch up with the guy who is the director of recruiting over at Coastal Carolina, the Shot of Clear Zone. That is Coach Doyle. Of course, you can find him on the campus. You probably can find him uh, possibly in your inbox or somewhere on social media. If he does whatever he's got to do uh, to get your attention. Now, today is his birthday, so 31 today. He'll be 43 tomorrow. Man, it happens quick. Trust me, I'll tell you, on Friday. Now, we got to take a quick break because we're taking the bus from Myrtle Beach, and we're heading to Hickory, North Carolina. That's right. It's now time to bring in, right after this, the head coach from Lenore Ryan University as we check in for the second time on our show, Coach Mike Jacobs. Guys, don't go anywhere. The coach, right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Alban alongside Eugene Benton, coming to you live from uh, the Southern Sports Central Studios right outside of Charleston, South Carolina, over here in Somerville. And we now head back to the hotlines as we are now joined by the head coach over there from uh, Lenore Ryan's over there in Hickory, North Carolina, Coach Mike Jacobs. Coach, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Richie, Eugene, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. Man, it's a blessing to get a guy like you on the air, man. I know you guys have uh, stayed quite busy, Coach. Uh, how was the family? How was Christmas, New Year's, and, and the holidays that just passed us, Coach? Yeah, they they were great. I appreciate you asking. You know, it's uh, uh, for us to get settled in. Last year was kind of crazy because I had just taken the job at, at, at LR, and uh, I was kind of in the process of moving down, so, so Christmas break was a little short. But, you know, with all the COVID stuff, we laid low this year, and, you know, I got young boys. I, I got a late start. I got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So to see their face light up after Santa came and get a chance to unwind and spend a little bit of time with them at home was a blessing. It was great. Yeah, Coach, I tell you, I asked you the question while the kids are excited to see you, man. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to talk to a lot of coaches, some head coaches, some position and different area coaches around the uh, country and the one thing they say is, well, my kids are excited to see me, man, but my wife, she's just not used to me being home as much as I'm home because I'm usually recruiting, or if not, I'm at the stadium or somewhere doing some football stuff. How nice has it been uh, for you to be around the fam, and, and how excited is uh, the wife to get this football season up and started? <laughs> Miss Lacey's ready to get me out of the house. Although I do most of the cooking, uh, I think she'll be happy when I'm done screwing up the day-to-day operations of the home. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, we're all excited to get back and play a little bit of spring football and, you know, get back to a little bit of normalcy that way. Coach, let's look at this. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit here for the next 25 minutes with you. I'll bring Eugene in here towards the end of it all because I want to make sure that he has a chance to say hello to you as well, Coach. But, and again, I'm looking at a schedule, and if it's been revised, I wouldn't be surprised, and that could have been in the last 10 minutes. But looks like, is it March the 12th? Uh, you guys are going to be going to Newberry. You'll be going to Barton. Are you a host, Barton, on uh, March the 20th? I see Wingate on the schedule on April 3rd. Catawba sitting there around April 10th. Four games as of right now. Have you guys been able to add to that? And, and, and what is this season coming up looking like for you guys as it looks like kickoff is sometime around March? Yeah, we'll, we'll kick it off down there at Newberry. And uh, right now the way it's set up with our conference, the SAC conference, they've, they've divided the conference into two divisions, the north and the south. And, 
Um, you know, we'll play we'll play a four game regular season with a bye week, and then uh, that fifth week or the sixth week of the season, the fifth game, uh, I think they intend to match uh, the two one seeds from the north and the south, the two two seeds, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and so that's how they're gonna that's how they're gonna handle it. Now, Coach, uh, you guys have done an incredible job uh, with recruiting. I know I've seen a lot of names here in the great state of South Carolina that you guys have gotten some attention. Uh, one, I saw a young man in Columbia, I believe, who has just recently committed to you guys over there as well. But, you know, w- w- when you talk about recruiting, you guys have been challenged. Oh, my goodness, have you guys ever been challenged? And how do you find them? How do you catch up with them? How do you get their attention? You know, what, what's kind of been the method to the madness without giving your secrets away to anybody listening? Now we, we try to be really consistent with kids and, and, and hopefully high school coaches. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges for me is, um, you know, we, didn't, we weren't able to get out a ton last year. We had to be very precise in what we were doing uh, with really only having the month of January after we took the job. And then with all the COVID protocols, I haven't had a chance to really get out on the road and, you know, introduce myself to, to the state of North Carolina coaches, the state of South Carolina, Georgia, and, and you know, spend some time more as my staff. We've, uh, we've tried to do a good job setting up, you know, Zoom appointments with coaches similar to what we would do if we were going into a school. Um, you know, certainly haven't hit them all, but we're trying to work our way through um, as we go through there. And then, you know, we just try to be really consistent, um, develop relationships both with coaches, players, and then their parents and, you know, be really honest throughout the process. And, you know, we've had a lot of success that way, uh, just being really steady and, and uh, being really truthful with kids. Hanging out on the campus virtually over there at Lenore Ryan is we're, of course, in Hickory, North Carolina with head coach Mike Jacobs talking about the football season coming up. And, it's again, in the spring, I love it, Coach. Uh, again, you can't give me too much college football or heck any football. I was excited about the XFL coming back last year, but this is something that really touches my heart because uh, first of all, coach, you guys are going to have an opportunity to just play football in the spring and football players who may want to come look at what you guys do will come on the campus on a, on a Saturday or whenever the game is played and they're not going to be drained. They're not going to be tired because they just played on a Friday night. So they'll be fresh and actually have a chance hopefully to kind of look around as long as you guys are allowing people in the seats. I, I would imagine Newberry is going to allow that opportunity, but even for those guys to see you or, or at least see your team, it, it's kind of a big thing. How much are you guys excited about that side of recruiting about just playing in a season where these kids can actually just come in and, and be student athletes and see what you guys are doing? Yeah. I mean, we're fired up about the opportunity. Um, you know, we're not quite sure where they're going to land. I think it all kind of depends on where COVID's at and the, you know, the, the county guidelines on how many people will allow in. But, you know, even just the opportunity to to, to stream it, you know, and, and allow kids that, you know, maybe would have workouts or something on a Saturday where they couldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have their undivided attention or they may be watching a Division One game or something, you know, we're going to have the opportunity to maybe be the only show in town in certain instances. And uh, it'll give us a chance for a captive audience. It'll give us a chance to – hopefully sell our brand and what we're trying to be about here at LR. And, um, you know, it's just a chance to, to put us out there in front of kids and, and families. 
Coach Jacobs, you know, when, when you see this thing, and again, uh, you know, for me, I think the COVID season, and I don't like to use that word on the air, but I do slip up sometimes and use that type of language. But, yeah, I feel like colleges uh, definitely – like LR, where you guys are at right now, are going to really benefit out of some of the situations that's happened across the country because of the factor that these kids are their eyes are opening. You guys put guys in the NFL just like anybody else across the country. It's their job to come and perform, and you can't do that on a sideline. You got to do that on a football field. That's where they grade you at, at least when it comes to NFL scouts. How much of uh, again we we look at recruiting being a good conversation here tonight because there's a lot of kids that are trying to find a home. And it feels like a good place to call home is right there in Hickory with you guys as you guys continue to grow that list of opportunities and, and future players going into your program. Yeah, I mean, we, we think we think LR is a really special place. And it's one thing to attract really good players, but if you don't develop kids once they're on campus, I, I think, you know, between our athletic training staff and, and Trent Caldwell, our strength and conditioning coach, and – you know, we're fortunate to have a dedicated strength staff here at the Division II level and, you know, brand-new $4 million weight room facility that, you know, the, the kids that are willing to come in and put the work in, they're going to get coached up. They're going to be taught the game of ball. They're going to have a chance, most importantly, to get a degree, and, and, and they're going to have a chance to set themselves up. And, um, you know, we feel like we have quite a bit to offer that way. Hanging out right now over at Lenore Ryan University with Coach Mike Jacobs as he's ready to kick off the season in 21, and he's not waiting until the fall. These cats are doing it in the spring. I love it, Coaches. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like uh, you guys are the only ones doing it in the spring. The state of North Carolina and the high school are going to do it as well. Uh, you know, how, how neat is that for you guys as well to have, uh, or, or is it neat for you guys to be able to kind of mirror the same scheduling that you're seeing the high school do in, the same, in your state? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's presented some challenges for, for the class of 2021 kids here locally uh, to not have had that opportunity to put some film out there in the fall, uh, you know, as, as colleges look to evaluate kids. I think that, that's, a, that's a tough thing for them. I, I am happy that they get to play, period, right? Some, some football is better than no football, but, you know, I feel bad for them, the timing of things and, you know, uh, with, with COVID and what it's doing to rosters, with, with kids being able to come back for an extra year of eligibility and, you know, really what this transfer portal's kind of turned into and, uh, you know, kind of muddied the water for a lot of high school seniors. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen those guys get a chance in the fall. But, again, we're excited for them to get a chance to play in the spring. There's some fantastic talent in North Carolina in-state and uh, we're really happy that they get the opportunity to show themselves. Hanging out on the campus virtually over at Lenore Ryan University with head coach Mike Jacobs here talking about the upcoming season, and it's happening in about a month away, maybe a month and a half here, as they'll open on the road at Newberry, and you can see the rest of it. We'll tweet it out here in just a minute. And, again, uh, Coach, we actually may actually make a road trip up there to see you and, and watch a, a few of our – guys playing on both sides of the field there, Coach. Now, you mentioned a couple of things, and you talk about three things, and I want to get as a head coach uh, because these are the things that the class of 21 are dealing with that are out of their control. Number one, the transfers, right? I mean, we know that portal is as hot as it's ever been right now. So, uh, you know, coaches have a chance to go after an athlete that may be somewhere else that fits better at their place. And then the extra year guy, well, he's on the campus. He's going to stick around. There's that. And then what about recruiting? 
these kids are sending you guys a lot of film, and I had this question and conversation with every coach we bring on, Coach, but kind of touch on all three of those. If you're, you know, a, a, you're a young man trying to get on your campus right now, and you're already looking at, well, this guy that I'm trying to go after his spot, he's getting to come back for free football this year with an extra free year. Then there's some transfer kids that they may look at, and then I'm sending film after film, but I'm not hearing anything back. What do you suggest or, or some advice that you're giving some of these young men who may not be hearing anything back from some of the inboxes and the film that they're sending you guys? Yeah, I, I, first I'll say that, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in high school recruiting. Um, I like kids that see things through, that can persevere through a little bit of adversity. You know, I don't think you have to look any further than, you know, the national championship game and, and, and Mac Jones. You know, that's a guy that sat behind you know, uh, two guys uh, that, that were in, in the Heisman Trophy talks that, that had won national championships. And, and, you know, he grew, he developed, and he has the opportunity to play. Um, you know, so I, I, I prefer to, to go the high school route as much as possible. You, you, to me, you use the transfer portal as an in addition. It's like an a la carte item, right? And, you know, if you, if you maybe need, you know, maybe somebody got injured late or you need to, you feel like you need to, you got a young room, maybe you need somebody with a little experience. But uh, these teams that live in there exclusively, um, I think are really hurting high school football in the game in general. That's my personal opinion. Um, but for those kids that are in the class of 2021, I feel bad for these guys. They've, uh, you know, not only have they had interruptions to, to what is their normal high school experience, homecoming, prom, you know, and, 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 you know, just those things that go along with being a senior in high school, it's had a drastic effect on their recruiting. Um, you know, they lost the camp cycle going into their senior year. Um, we're really fortunate. One of the kind of the niche things in Division Two is we're able to work kids out when they come on visits. So, um, you know, it's not a big cattle call camp, but if we have the ability to have people on campus too, Division One's dead and through through April 15th, we are allowed to have visitors uh, at the Division Two level. Uh, of course, we're doing it in much smaller numbers with the COVID protocols and whatnot, but having the ability to work these kids out and, and try to give them the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I suggest that they persevere and, and keep – pounding the pavement a little bit and, you know, certainly don't turn your nose. Uh, this is a bad time to be D1 or bust. There's a lot of really good football at all levels. And, uh, you know, I think they need to really take an open mind because if they sit here on January, you know, January 14th and, and they're still, you know, they don't, maybe don't have a Division One offer, the chances of it coming are very slim to none at this point. Signing days in three weeks. So, you know, keep an open mind get out and see as many places as you can, meet staffs, interact with them online. Um, that's that's kind of my advice to those guys. Hanging out with Coach Mike Jacobs all the way from Lenore Ryan University. That's over in North Carolina. Of course, Hickory is uh, the hot spot right now where we're hanging out virtually with uh, the head coach and talking to you young athletes. Again, a positive mind ends up positive results a lot of times. Sometimes that's the hardest thing is to stay positive. Uh, during these tough times, but it builds what? It builds character, coaches. I, of course, keep trying to stress that on this network and on this show on a regular basis because we get it. We understand it. But, uh, but again, they, I always tell these kids, if you can get through this, by God, you can get through anything. Coach, uh, on the other side of the com conversation, are, are you guys having any conversation when it comes to – I know academics is A1A. That's the first thing. you got to have the grades. We know that. But, but, again, for these young men and women that are coming on these campuses to be athletes, 
you know, I tell these guys that come on our show is that, look, you're kind of getting a dry run, a pre-run, if you will, what college is like about doing your homework at home. And it's actually called schoolwork when it's during that nine to five period. But again, that's, that's a pretty typical day in college when the professor calls and says, hey, shit, email or tweets out or whatever they do up there now to say, hey, it takes credibility. Start getting used to that format now. How much are, are you guys having that conversation with these young athletes that have committed to you guys already about campus? They kind of have a leg up on uh, transition. Yeah, I think certainly from, you know, the, the trans, a normal transition from high school to college where, you know, high school is very regimented and you start the day at 730 and you're done at 230 and, you know, the bell rings and you move every 50 minutes. And, you know, when you transition to college and you have some of that downtime, I think, you know, I, I do think that some of the virtual learning that way and, and some of the downtime that's created um, may prep kids more, but, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's nothing, there's nothing that, a, that, that makes up for being in that classroom, for the interaction with the student, you know, the other students in your class, the learning that goes on, not just from the textbook, but, you know, from the side conversations, from the things that get talked about. And, you know, I, I see quite a bit right now is just, and I'm sure you guys are the same way, whether it's with work or what you do here, people are zoomed out. They're, they're tired of sitting on cameras and, I think just kind of craving some of that interaction. So, you know, I, I think where it prepares them somewhat to, to maybe account for some of that downtime, I still think that, you know, they're going to have some challenges as they get back into actually functional learning in a classroom when they get to a college campus. Now, Coach, you talk about challenges. What challenge does an athlete, let's say that we want to get him up there to see the process uh, for what you guys are doing, what, what do they need to do to, to get this trip set up and to have – this uh, visit put in place, uh, what are the proper channels and procedures that they need to go through? Sure. The, the first thing I can do is contact our recruiting coordinator. Um, all of our contact information is on our website. Um, and, and from there, um, he'll, our recruiting coordinator will put the kids in touch with their area recruiting coach. And, you know, we can start the dialogue. General things that kids can do, um, have, a, have their – the newest copy of their transcripts, you know, whether it's a, I highly recommend a virtual copy and that they can, that they can easily disseminate to colleges and coaches when they need it. Um, certainly if they're seniors right now, we're a bit down the road on some of that stuff, but it's to the point now where all seniors and their parents should have filled out a FAFSA and the FAFSA information. And, and then at that point, um, you know, certainly make sure that you're registered with the NCAA Clearinghouse. So I think those three things are really things that kids can do to be proactive. And, and, and then certainly um, as a follow-up, not just your transcripts, but have your high school coaches, you know, contact information where it can be easily uh, distributed if the coach needs it and your guidance counselor. And out with Coach Mike Jacobs, Lenore Ryan University's own head football coach. Coach, the one thing that we try to do here is be life coaches uh, here and tell these kids, hey, look, make your Twitter handle simple. It needs to be your first and your last name, not a creative name, because if they can't find you, well, they'll move on to the next one. And then in your bio, try to be as informative with the important stuff as you can to kind of cut the chase out. But, uh, you know, Coach, as we turn before I get you out of here, and I want to talk about the guys that you got on campus now that you're getting ready to go to battle with here in about a month and a half as you guys hit the road and go to Newberry. 
what kind of guys, who am I looking for, Coach? Who's a couple of names, a couple of the guys over there that are going to be uh, heard on the PA or on the radio when you guys get uh, under the lights or they spot the ball for the season coming up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to start with, with any great team. We have a great quarterback, and Grayson Willingham is going to be a senior for us. He's already the all-time leading passer in the Norron University uh, history, and, and he's done a tremendous job in our transition here. So, you know, he's certainly a guy to look out for. He's from the greater Charlotte area. Um, you know, there, there's a number of guys that have played a bunch of football for us. I think our, our two interior defensive linemen, Dan Luba, and uh, uh, Amari Houston, who's actually from Hillcrest High School there in South Carolina. Those two kids are, are definitely leaders for us and have made a ton of football plays. And then, you know, you got a, a senior for us, Eric Jackson, who's from Charleston, South Carolina, and, and he played a bunch of football for us and, and been in some really big games. So, you know, those are just a few of the guys. Uh, Dariq Young's a wide receiver that's going to that's gonna do great things for us. And... Um, you know, there's a bunch more. We have a lot of really good kids that work really hard. But, you know, those are a couple of the names that stick out. Jason Pose, a two-time All-American at offensive guard for us. I'm, I'm anxious to see him play and, and in person other than just in practice. So we're, we're fortunate that we have quite a few guys coming back. And, you know, we feel pretty good about what we're going to put out on the field on March 12th. March 12th, as these guys will see the field against Newberry. That'll be a good matchup. A lot of great athletes uh, will square it up here and get their season started. Coach, uh, final thing before I get you back to the family. And, again, thanks, everybody, for, for giving, you some, giving us some time here today and educating our, our listeners and the parents and the players who are trying to get to that next chapter and play some football at the next level, Coach. But well, the benefits and, uh, and all of that, because usually there's some ball. This is going to be like spring ball, spring ball times 20, as you guys are going to be playing some football this time of year. Uh, are you excited about having that, that, that three months or couple good football, get the summer off or what have you, and then get into the 2021 year right after it pretty much? Yeah, I mean, for us it's been great. We've been able to, you know, we were very fortunate that our, our, our what our administration, our trainers allowed us to do in, in, in the fall semester were – we essentially had what would be a spring practice, you know, 15 practices there and, and made it through all of them and got a ton done. You know, we're allowed to start practicing on uh, January 25th. So uh, we'll get rolled out and, you know, we'll be able to have quite a few practices as we lead into that first game on the 12th. And then certainly there's no better barometer for where you're at than when you go against someone else. Um, and, and get a chance to actually compete with something on the line. So I, I think those, the, although the time window is similar to what we had for a normal spring football, the ability to have competition at the end of each week rather than inter-squad scrimmages will be invaluable as we prep for, you know, hopefully a really, not that we're looking past spring 20, you know, 2021, but what we hope will be a, a great full season in the fall of 21. Well, Coach, I want to greatly uh, tell you how much we appreciate you coming on the show tonight and being a part of our uh, our show, and we can't wait to get you back in here. But, again, good luck this season. I know you guys are going to have a big season ahead. you got a lot of good things coming out of it. We can't wait to get you back in here, hopefully uh, one more time before the season kicks off. But thanks for all the uh, updates and educating levels of uh, conversation that we had tonight for our young athletes. Again, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Love talking football. 
South Carolina as a state has been really good for us, and we hope to continue that. No doubt indeed, Coach. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the night and enjoy your weekend as uh, another weekend closer to getting the season kicked off here in the early part of 21. Coach, thanks again. Thanks, God bless. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Eugene, I'll bring you in real quick before we head to a uh, a break here. But, man, I, I love talking to Coach Jacobs. I mean, just you can – he sounds like a football coach. He, 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 he's got everything that you would want to have in a coach that you would want to go play for. I mean, you know, and he gave us a lot of information that, quite frankly, uh, I can't wait uh, for a lot of these guys uh, to go out there and use going forward. Yeah, it's actually uh, almost probably – we're probably close to two years, three years to three years to the day. Yeah, three years to the day. I was actually sitting in his office up at his uh, former job up at uh, Notre Dame College, up near outside of Cleveland, Ohio. There was a good bit of snow on the ground. It was uh, really, really cold, and you know you wouldn't know it inside of his office, man. We sat on those big leather chairs and, and and just hung out and talked football. He was talking, you know, as, to Gerald as you as you recall, um, and, and it was just. Uh, when we get on the road to leave, you know, I'm driving back or driving back through Ohio, and I look over at Gerald, and I say, what do you think? And he, and he looked at me, and he, I said, I don't want to answer before you answer. And I said, you know, I, I really like that guy. You know, I really like Coach Jacobs. He just, you know, he was just genuine. You know, he was just that guy that, you know, whether he's your head coach or, um, you know, uh, your, your favorite uncle. Is this somebody that you want to be around, you want to hang out, or hang around with, you know, and talk chop or, or whatever, um, you know, and he was just, you know, when we came into his office, uh, you know, he shut the door, made it very humble and very private, very, you know, uh, kind of in, in, in his uh, chamber there. Um, and he didn't go behind the desk, you know, we just sat on the, on, on the couches and talked to his men and talked about life and opportunities at the next level and things like that, you know, and, uh, you know, the last thing I think if I recall it correctly, and he can call back and, and let me know if I'm wrong, um, was the offer sheet, sheet that he, you know, slipped across the table. That was, that was kind of at the end, you know, he, he wanted to get to know us and, and he wanted us to get to know him. Um, you you brought up, uh, Lacey, his wife, the last time I went to visit them in Ohio, actually uh, stopped by the store and took them a whole bunch of stuff from Charleston, you know, some of the shrimp and grits packages and, and things like that. So I, it actually cracked me up to hear that he's been the chef uh, chef of the day, but I, I'm sure uh, Lacey, like I would probably agree, she's probably ready for him to, to get back to the office, man. He's a football guy. He grew up in Ohio with a football. His dad was one of those long time, you know, I think it was, gosh, I can't remember all the details, but, uh, I think it was 30 plus years coaching high school football or coaching football in the state of Ohio. Um, you know, so he, he's just that guy that he's used to it. He's used to, you know, the level of, of commitment that it takes. Uh, his family's been around it. Um, and, you know, it, it's just been a great guy to get to know. And, uh, you know, seeing him that he's closer to North Carolina. And, you know, when you mentioned us having to go up there and see him play, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that because, um, you know, I, I've seen him play in big time games, you know, they, he took a team in Notre Dame College. It was actually a fairly new university uh, to the Final Four of college football, which you know is essentially you know their national championship or, or the playoff. Uh, similar to you have the Final Four today, and I was going through a bunch of teams, and you know they lost to Pesky, and, and you know the eventual national champion Valdosta State, the team from Ohio, had to go down to Valdosta. Ironically, in the game, the kid uh, from Burke High School. 
uh, picked off an interception in the end zone and returned it for 100 yards uh, to win by six points. And so, um, you know, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. But that was a heck of a team uh, that Coach Jacobs had put together in such a short time. That's why I know uh, he's going to get the same thing done up there at Lenore Ryan in North Carolina. He did a great job educating us all, not only our listeners, but Eugene and myself, as you can follow us on SO Sports Central. That's our Twitter handle, where all of these interviews are basically um, echoed right there on social media. You can also find us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. And, again, I want to thank Coach Jacobs for the time that he gave us tonight. We got a quick break, top of hour three, the final hour, brought to you by, of course, your truly Southern Sports Central right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Elman here alongside Eugene Benton for the final hour of Southern Sports Central on a nice but yet chilly Wednesday, 13th day of January. Again, if you missed it earlier, we had the director of recruiting from the Chanticleers. The head, well, of that is Coach Devin Doyle. He is the birthday boy of today's show. I want to wish him a happy birthday. Also, again, thanking uh, Lou Bezjak, who jumped in uh, around uh, six, I guess about six twelve. He jumped in here with us and talked about the South Carolina High School League. They had a lot of things that came out. We'll kind of recap a lot of this in hour three, along with open the phone calls here today and allow you to call in. What's on your mind? Is it the NFL playoffs? Because we are heading into round two with two doubleheaders, Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And of course. Just wrapping up our final, excuse me, scheduled interview from Mike Jacobs from Lenore Ryan University, where he is getting ready to start that season. And that, is, again, is going to be taking place at the early part of March, where they'll open up on the road over at Newberry College, where they've got a lot of, of course, uh, local talent from this area. And he actually mentioned over at Lenore Ryan, they've got some local talent up there with him. So, again, Take the opportunity when the opportunity is given. And that's one of the things I, I thought that you, you know, all the things Coach Jacobs talked about was adversity. And you hear this with every coach that comes out. And I love his answer about why he doesn't lean into that portal as much as some others. Because he wants to see what you do during adversity. Are you quick to move? Are you quick to go to another spot? Are you quick to hold on tight, grind it out, get to the other side of the storm, Right and then get back after it and continue to grind because you can give me your excuses or you can show me your results. And I think that's kind of uh, one of the many things that he dropped on us as well as uh, the, the coach that we had on Coach Doyle in the beginning of hour two. But, again, two coaches that do different things on different campuses 
But for us to have that entire hour dedicated to our recruits who are trying to figure out where they're going and why they should go there, both of these programs, Lenore Ryan and Coastal, now Coastal nationally had a ton of recognition this year, but shows you that you don't have to go to Alabama to play football. And he talked about Mac Jones and waiting his turn. Didn't even get a chance because he had not one but two great quarterbacks ahead of him, who, by the way, both are in the NFL, and had to wait until right now, which is typical at Alabama, which is typical at Southern California, which I think is going to be pretty typical at Clemson going forward, if not already. And then Georgia, they're, they're known for quarterbacks that are there for four years. Nobody ever knows the backup quarterback, for that matter. But you go to a place like Lenore Ryan, or you go to a place like Coastal Carolina, or you go to some of these other schools around your state. It doesn't have to be in our state. It could be anywhere. Like North Carolina's got a ton of great ballers, and they got a great college in the cross that entire landscape. But you go where you can play today because if you're going to watch football, what's the point of being going and being a football player? You can do that in the stands and just entertain yourself with the pregame festivities outside the game. But if you're going to sit there and you're going to work from, what, Friday? Or, excuse me, from Sunday to Friday and then not even get a chance to play? Mm-mm. Not me. I'm not watching. Nope. I'll wait my turn. That's fine. But I tell you, it, it, it's a tough thing for me not to be on the field and contribute the way that uh, you saw Rudy did at Notre Dame. And, again, he got his – his, uh, his, his opportunity to do his thing, even though he was offside, he still had a heck of a, uh, a testimony. But we start to kind of look forward to what does it look like, Eugene? And, and let's talk about this for a little while. And that is for guys like Lenore Ryan and Newberry and these, 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 these D2 schools who, by the way, are having a ton of success. I think you and I talked about that earlier uh, when it came down to seeing all these offers that are now starting to come out. Right, right before signing day. We're, what, three weeks away from National Signing Day, the final one here of this class. So they kind of waited to see where they fell after the first signing day. And now you're getting these athletes. Like, like you heard Coach right there say, uh, if you don't have an offer as of January 14th, and now again, Coach Jacobs from Lenore Ryan, man, you better get on it, okay? We get you wanting to go play at this university for whatever the reason may be. But this is the college that wants you. This is the university that wants you. And, again, I mentioned D2 and, and going down in that out of order. I mean, I, I talk about the, the, the junior college route. I mentioned the, of course, um, HBCUs. You know, these are the schools to me, Eugene, who are really getting ready to get rich and get some really, really good ball players because of the capacity that's full at some of the large universities. Well, I agree, and actually, I don't know if you saw earlier, there was a post um, uh, down at Louisiana, Lafayette, you know, the Raging Cajuns and, and the coaches everyone was talking about was going to come to South Carolina, this, that, and the other. It's seven guys who were red shirt, previous redshirts who were coming back for their, get this, seventh year of eligibility, seventh year. They had five, five guys. and I mean, that is just unreal. Well, of course, for the last three years, that's kept a, a roster spot from an incoming, you know, guy, an incoming, you know, high school senior. Uh, so, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, the with the Division two, they can maneuver numbers. They can give partial scholarships, meaning partial athletic scholarships, and then they can tack on, you know, the uh, the, the academic stuff, a presidential scholarship. The, you know, you grew up on the left side of the railroad track of Rock Hill, uh, scholarship and come up with some very creative ways to get you money because at the end of the line, you know, if you're a player, you're a coach, you're a parent, when you look at that offer sheet, 
when it comes from like a division two or or division one double a school or fbs wherever they call it now um you look all the way at the bottom with the number that you care the most about is your efc being zero or as close to zero as possible that's your expected family contribution if that number is zero you got a free ride you got a full ride you don't have to worry about you know loaning money, taking out student loans, having to come out your pocket to cover tuition or books. So I think that, that you know, there is an opportunity, and, and there are opportunities that people think, you know, if I'm not going D1, it's nothing. And, and I agree with that. Also, too, what, what kids are seeing, and it's become more prevalent um, in this past, you know, couple of draft classes again, uh, is, is that, you know, if you're talented enough, Someone somewhere is going to find you for professional football. It used to be that, you know, kids came from Army and you could be a quarterback or, or you know, and win the Heisman um, and, and go on to an NFL career. We, and then we saw the transition to, you know, everybody's got to be from one of these Power Five schools. You know, in 2001, I think it was like seven dudes drafted from University of Miami in the first round. And everybody, you know, a lot of the kids coming out of high school, you know, kind of sort of seeing that and thinking that was the only way to go. You know, I can go be on the three deep at Alabama, but that's the only way I'm going to have a chance to ever playing in the league. Well, what they're seeing now is, you know, you got to have that game film. you got to have this tape. You get you put it with the measurables and some other things. You're going to be seen. A school like Lenore Ryan, for example, you know, that's kind of within that radius of that Charlotte area. So that's going to be a big market. So if you go to school like that and ball out, Someone's going to see, and, and you know whether you make it to the combine or not. And I was telling someone the other day, uh, we were talking about uh, specialists and kickers specifically. You know, from the state of uh, Georgia, there are four Division One schools. All four Division One schools have a kicker in the NFL as a starter. Well, we all know that the starters at least make five hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, at least. What I got drilled it down to was the guy that played it just graduated from Georgia State. And I said, look, man, he had a, a heck of a leg coming out of high school. You know, there's some other schools offered, but Georgia State offered him money. So he went that route. Well, he got he, – he didn't get drafted, but he got signed to the uh, Rams, uh, I guess the L.A. Rams. Uh, he's on the practice squad where there are 16 games a week plus four preseason games. He gets paid – Ten to twelve thousand dollars per week, so he's making you know close to two hundred grand as a practice guy. So that's my point: is you go find a place to play, get on a roster, make some plays, and have some film, you'll get that chance. Now you may it, it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed that you're gonna get a chance if you go to any school, whether it be Alabama or Lenore Ryan. You're not gonna get a chance for the NFL. There's no guarantees in that. But the, the guy that sits on the bench at Alabama for four years gets a degree. Congratulations! Maybe he has two or three plays on mop-up special teams duty. You know that guy's not going to get a look for the NFL. Like if you go to, you know, like you know, we had the guys at Coastal, their defensive line guy, you know, who goes and balls out for four years and has all these tape, you know, and film and highlights. That guy's going to get a look first, just because they he has experience more experience at a higher level, in my opinion. And so that's why I think, you know, this opportunity, 
uh, you know, players really need to look at, you know, what's a better fit for them, what's the best educational, academic, and playing opportunity for them. And, you know, if, if you have dreams of, of NFL or some type of thing in sports, by gosh, go do it. Go get it. Don't, you know, you don't have to sit here and believe, you know, not believe in yourself and say, well, there's only a 5% chance, so I'll probably never make it. You know what? A lot of people make that 5%. You've got to go and try. You've got to go to school. Don't go to school and major in basket weaving. You're not going to get a good job making uh, good money to support a family weaving baskets somewhere else. I mean, I'm not disrespecting, you know, anybody's career that that does that. But if you have an opportunity, go get a, a good degree that's going to give you a chance to make yourself successful. There are tons of school out here, whether it's Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, whatever, who offer great degrees in great areas that set you up for life, you know, whether you're a single dude or whether you're a dude that's got family. And, and I think that's what this opportunity hopefully will show kids. Um, and while I don't agree with all the NCAA shutting things down for Division One, I, I think it is opening up a lot of eyes to some Division Two schools uh, and the opportunities they present. Yeah, and a couple of things. Number one, he's not disrespecting anybody that's in basket weaving. Okay, that, that just make sure we're not upsetting anybody there, uh, because that is a that seems to be a pretty lucrative deal. Depends on where you're at doing it. But that being said, Eugene, I agree with a lot of what you said. However. In Southern California, there are guys that have never stepped on the field and end up getting drafted. It doesn't happen all the time, but there are about three, four, maybe five at the most schools that if uh, if you're just there, they know you're pretty daggone good, and, and you can end up getting a, a opportunity. But it's far and few between if you look at the big number there. I want you to go ahead on social media and go ahead and open it up and let people know. We're going to keep the lines open for the next hour. Uh, call in, hang out with us, uh, whatever's on your mind. If you want to talk high school football, as uh, you heard some of the conversations, uh, now North Carolina, just uh, the state above us, they'll be playing in February and in March as they'll start their season. And uh, here in South Carolina, we wrapped ours up. Actually, we had our senior game. It was the only senior game in the great state of South Carolina where we partnered up with the South Carolina High School Blitz and did a senior bowl over at Woodland. And it was a great, great opportunity because a lot of guys, I'm not saying – that, that, of course, uh, them being in that game guaranteed that they got opportunities afterwards. But I am telling you that some of the guys that have come out of that game are now getting opportunities. So it's worked itself out. Uh, 84 of uh, the chosen senior class that were picked to play in that game from the upstate to the lower state, they not only balled out on the field, they showed five class, uh, five-star class uh, off the field as well because at the hotels I thought they did extremely well. They were very um, – respectful to, to everybody they came across. I've had nothing but compliments since uh, I've ran into most of the people that have uh, had conversations with these young men uh, that were here uh, just a couple weekends ago. And, of course, it was the same conversation with the juniors as we did the Elite 88 over there at Ben Limpen High School. And, again, same same conversation. Eugene, you were part of that with me as well. As, uh, just a great opportunity, great experience. Um, you know, Ken Brown and his staff do such a great job of, 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 of putting it together uh, on the upstate side, of course, we did it through the lower state. We met together to put it together. And I thought, again, great opportunity. Hope to see what happens next year or this year. I think we're already in 21. Uh, but it's going to be bigger and better, it seems, uh, to be the plan going forward. Um, then you look at college football. I mean, we weren't disappointed, uh, in, well, unless you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan. But I, even the Buckeyes, I, I don't really know if they, they really thought they were going to win that game. You know, because you've seen teams in the past that were just 
they were like just you, you just hope to be in the ball game with them. And it was almost like if you make one bad choice, then that's it. And they make you pay for it for the rest of the game. And that's what happened because at the beginning of the game, what, 7-7, seven, seven, I thought, okay, well, here we go. Eugene and I were, were going through it. You know, we were talking on the phone, watching the game. and um, But then they made that one mistake, and that was the one mistake that all they needed, right? I mean, all they needed was uh, for you to slip up, and that's what happened. And then it never able to kind of catch their wind and a couple of good hits on um, on the quarterback of Ohio State. Let me tell you something, Justin Fields, I hope he comes back, number one, because I think they're going to be really good again next year. I think a lot of kids will come back that are eligible to come. Well, they're all eligible to come back. Just think of that. But I think they're going to be really good again next year. And I think given uh, a full season, right, I, I think they're going to be a, a lot better prepared in certain areas that mentally and not just physically. But I think Justin Fields comes back, and he may not because he should be a top draft pick as quarterback but I think he has an argument to say, look, I think because Alabama's losing a bunch of guys that were in the draft, a lot of other guys have already said they're leaving to get the draft around the country with top teams. Uh, like you'll see Clemson's quarterback, he's done, and, and a few other big names at Clemson, they're going to be leaving out of there as well. But if I'm, if I'm Ohio State, man, I, I'm doing everything I can to get Justin Fields to come back because I really feel that and even though they're not the team to beat next year and everybody's little poll they've given out, I, I feel like, Eugene, they're pretty solid. Uh, if they make a return from a lot of kids who are again, all eligible to come back because this was free football for them. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, who would have thought uh, Ohio would have even been playing football this year? Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with some of the politics and stuff with the area that, you know, they're in and the conference they're in. You know, so they got it in. They won their games. They won every game uh, that they were allowed to play. And I, I was kind of down on it. You know, I kind of agree with Dabo a little bit with, you know, a team that didn't play but, you know, five games or however many games it was, you know, getting to showcase, you know, their program in the national championship playing against, you know, teams that had played 10 or 11 games. Uh, but, you know, every, every time that someone spot the ball or, or put the ball down, as they say, uh, Ohio State won and, until the final game be, uh, when they lost against Alabama. So did everyone else Alabama played. So there's no shame in that. Um, I don't see Fields coming back. I think it's a situation where, you know, he, he's done he, – he tried his thing down at Georgia. Uh, he's had two years at Ohio State. You know, he's won two uh, Big Ten championships. He's won a bunch of games there. I just – me personally, I could be wrong, but I don't see him coming back. A lot of people are still looking at him as the number two quarterback in the draft. Um you know, possibly, I guess it, it could be determined where the young man from, um, I guess it's uh, Montana State or North Dakota State, one of those uh, uh, goes. But still, I mean, if, if you're looked at as the, one of the top, you know, three or four quarterbacks in the draft, that typically means you're going to go in the first round. That's five-year money. That's guaranteed money. Uh, I don't know his family situation, but that's life-changing money. One of the things that makes him as good as he is uh, while he is a passing quarterback, he is a throwing quarterback, he is not a run-first quarterback, he does have the athleticism uh, to move. So, unfortunately, if he were to come back and suffer some type of catastrophic injury, uh, we kind of remember that with Marcus Lattimore, uh, you know, that could be a, a, a negative uh, lifelong impacting decision. So, I think all in all, I, in my opinion, I think Fields, you know, has played his last college game, uh, ball uh, will be headed to the NFL, and 
you know, we'll see where he goes. Does he end up in a Jets uniform or something like that? Obviously, it'll mm-hmm. depend on trades and where Trevor goes first. We all think, at least I, I would say, I think most people around football uh, think Trevor goes first down in Jacksonville. And then, you know, we'll see where the chips fall. But, you know, it does benefit Fields to have a quarterback taken number one overall because that leaves up a lot of draft spots, uh, you know, for, for him sitting there as, you know, possibly the next best quarterback on the board. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, and I agree with you, and I'll say this. We're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk quickly about the NFL. It is uh, week two of the playoffs for the divisional round now. Again, uh, two games on Saturday, two more games on Sunday, and then we get into, uh, you know, the third and then the final fourth, which is, of course, Super Bowl weekend. But a uh, big weekend coming up, and uh, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break here, and we'll talk about the NFL right after this. If you want to call in, hang out with us, come on in, 323-784-9681. Short break, and then we recap, or actually we preview the weekend in the NFL. Virginia, the Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old as older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home to the place I belong. All my memories They gather around her A miner's lady Stranger to the water So I'll go Dark and dusty Yet I know Painted on the sky
And what a night it has been here on Southern Sports Central as we're getting into the NFL conversation, the final segment here on Southern Sports Central. I want to thank the coaches that joined us here tonight. Started off at the top of hour number two with Coach Doyle, the birthday boy over there at Coastal Carolina, the Shauna Clears Director of Recruiting, joined us at 7 o'clock, updating us, educating us, and entertaining us about what's happening on the Grand Strand and a little bit of words of wisdom to those who are trying to get to the next level, and that is college, to play some football. And right after that, we took the bus from Myrtle Beach to Hickory, North Carolina, where we landed on the campus of Lenore Ryan University. Mike Jacobs, Coach Jacobs, joined us for 30 minutes at 7.30. And then we also did the same with him, talked about his season coming up in about a month as they'll be seeing Newberry to open it up, a shortened season, but yet a season indeed that looks to be a lot of fun and a lot of opportunities for those guys, but he also educated us and entertained us and dropped some knowledge for some of our young recruits on how do you go about doing some of the things you need to do. Now, here's the caveat to that. D2, that's what they are, by the way. They got the opportunity to get you on campus. What you got to do is go through the proper channels to do that. We left that also information on Twitter at SO Sports Central. We started the show around 6 12 with our first guest, and that was Lou Bezjack. He broke down the South Carolina High School League. News and notes from what they talked about this year. Again, uh, they're going to raise the roof, or at least the price over there uh, at the championship games next year. And that's all right. It's going to happen. You know, it, it, it's part of life. If you want to watch it, you'll, you'll pay it. You won't even ask questions. You'll just be glad that you can get in the stands. And as far as uh, the basketball season, just look at what they did in football. When it comes to the playoffs, it's going to be the same thing. They are also uh, already talking about the baseball and uh, softball, along with all the spring sports, already laid that out there as well. That information, if it isn't on Twitter yet, it will be. Make sure you follow us at SO Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. With that, let's talk NFL, Eugene. And, of course, uh, my boys are going to be the kickoff of the action come Saturday at 435. That's a weird time. On Fox, of course, the Packers have a home field advantage. And, of course, uh, you'll, you'll watch Aaron Rodgers. Is he, of course, uh, going to do what he normally does? and that is win, win, and continue to win. They've got their hands full as a very strong team out of uh, Los Angeles. And I'm not talking about my Dodgers. I'm talking about the Rams as uh, they've got a really good dominant defense over there. So what will happen there, of course, Aaron Donald is expected to play. He's got some ribs that's a little tender right now. And, of course, their interior pressure will be a key uh, against uh, Green Bay and the offensive line. Now, if you watch Donald go down, and it looked like, as he was uh, cre- uh, making a tackle, the quarterback, I believe is who it was, went across his rib cage, and he was one of many that came out of that game, of course, for uh, the Rams. And they are kind of winning by committee here because even their starting quarterback right now is dealing with one of his hands, his fingers, or something like that. It's not 100%. So we'll kind of wait and see how this game is going to happen. Now, Sean McVay and, of course, Matt LaFear know each other pretty well as uh, you, you kind of look at this chess match, it's kind of unfold uh, throughout this game. And, and for Aaron Rodgers, he's kind of pissed off and, and on a mission because they uh, didn't draft a receiver, which they don't ever do that in, by the way, in, uh, in, in Green Bay. But they drafted a quarterback, and he said, you know what, young lad? Well, I'm sure he said something to, to an interesting conversation to some of the staff there. But I'll say this, is that whatever they did, I hope they do it again next year because Aaron Rodgers is having one of the best years that I've seen him in in quite some time. Now, I get the conversation, Eugene, that everybody's going to say. We kind of spoke a little about this 
on uh, on Monday. But everybody will say, well, they went in and be a really good Seattle team in Seattle. But the difference is, is there was no 12th man, which is the stands and the stands that make that stadium what that stadium is. That would be like taking Lambeau Field and putting it in Miami because it would be warm in the cold weather that is part of that extra 12th man for Green Bay and the, the, the walls that almost talk and the scoreboard that kind of whispers and there's locker rooms that I'm sure have a few voices that you might hear if you're on the other team from one of the famous and greatest NFL coaches of all time, of course, uh, you and I know who that is. But this seems to be a game that I think it'll be close, but I think Green Bay ends up finding a way to win by at least a couple of touchdowns. And, again, I think it'll be closer than I, I want it to be, but I do feel like Green Bay wins this one. Uh, yeah, I go with Green Bay. I'm really looking forward to a Green Bay uh, New Orleans matchup, uh, just so you and I can have a little extra fun with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing really well. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if you saw it. I put it out on our Twitter earlier. Uh, your starting tackle, your all-world mm-hmm. Mr. Everything starting tackle, uh, just tested positive for COVID. So, right, it appears uh, under the current NFL guidelines with the um, playoff is that uh, you'll be without them. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and, game. And um, it's a plug and play sometimes, sometimes great teams. you know, the Packers are a great team. You know, a guy like that might be a plug and play. If it were Aaron Rodgers, probably not so much. You'd mm-hmm. say the same thing. And that's no disrespect for an offensive lineman. You know, but typically NFL teams have, you know, 10 offensive linemen with a couple that are super awesome. Uh, they don't have, super awesome quarterbacks, you know, there's there's not like two or three Aaron Rodgers on that team, so I think he'll be good to go with that, uh, but, you know, again, sometimes it's a game of matchups, and maybe uh, maybe that one might be uh, more costly than, than I think it is. Yeah, and, and while we talk about the offense, it is the defense. It's only allowed 25 points or less in the last six games, and that's Green Bay, by the way, so it, it'll be fun to watch and see what they do. Now, of course, uh, how that works towards the halftime to going into the second half now Rodgers and the boys do what they need to do over the weekend Rodgers will earn a a trip to his fifth NFC championship game and his first one at Lambeau Field now going to I I think they'll have some challenges but but I think they've got enough guys in and around that program that I think that are veterans that, that know how to handle this the only thing that makes the Rams more dangerous other than the fact that they've got some guys who we don't know who they are and they're making their names known a little more now during the season of the postseason is that they don't know what they're doing because they've never really been here before. Sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes that's a bad thing. But I think in the Rams situation, you know what? They, they didn't care less. They were playing in Seattle this past weekend. And I'm pretty sure as long as they can stay warm, because uh, they're not going to be able to bring the weather with them from LA to uh, green Bay. And I haven't looked at the weather forecast, but I hope it's, re- I hope it's really extremely cold and a lot of snow on the ground because that will play into the factor of uh, the Packers. Now, the other game that's going to happen on uh, Saturday night, this is the nightcap, 8:15 on NBC, the Baltimore Ravens, who everybody thought, by the way, were done. A lot of people thought that this team, really, quite frankly, Lamar Jackson just doesn't look Lamar, like Lamar of the past. But, yeah, you saw what he did this past weekend and did it in fashion against the Titans. And I got to tell you something, impressive indeed, as, the, of course, the winner got the chance to see who's that, the Bills, not Buffalo. They won, and that one was an exciting game for me to watch. And, again, a lot of people are thinking the Bills are the surprising team 
and the AFC. So the Bills, of course, have won seven in a row, and the Ravens have won six straight games as well. So Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have both found their grooves, as, of course, both of these will be challenged over the uh, over the weekend by a couple of really, really impressive defensive teams. Now, the difference that Baltimore, by the way, has been running uh, a game, of course, uh, United by J.K. JK Dobbins, by the way, who, of course, has scored uh, seven seven touchdowns in, uh, I believe he's got seven straight games. So this guy is doing some big things in big ways. For me, this is tough, man, because if I watch this one here against the Ravens and the Bills, I want the Bills to win just because of that kid that we saw a couple weeks back or a month ago in Columbia wearing that cool hat. But I like the Buffalo Bills because they haven't been here in forever, man. I mean – Jim Kelly days, right? I mean, Doug Flutie. I mean, I'm thinking the names that you and I grew up watching them on TV back when they were somewhat relevant. Remember, Buffalo used to make it to the Super Bowl all the time so they could be the bridesmaid. Would never win, but always would get there. I totally agree on that. I'm actually a Bills. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping the Bills win it all uh, or at least go to the big game. Um, back, I have a very, very close friend of mine who's a season uh, ticket holder at the Bills. He actually has uh, four seats in the uh, famous Jim Kelly Club. Uh, anybody that's ever been to a Bills game know what that means. That means uh, if it snows, which it does quite a bit, the uh, heated seat that uh, keeps everything uh, on, on your bottom through your lower back uh, nice and warm and no smell, uh, snow or, or ice. And also, too, all you have to do is turn right around and tap someone on the shoulder, and they will bring you all the food and beverages that you choose. Uh, it's a really, really cool environment, especially when the uh, uh, they call them the soccer hooligans come down from Toronto. It's only about an hour and a half drive. I, I want to tell Reggie Walker Jr. the other night on the show, one of the coolest, craziest things I've ever seen. Some of the craziness that I've ever seen, and that's including a trip to Mardi Gras, is actually tailgating uh, after a Buffalo or, and before a Buffalo Bills game. Uh, you remember Captain Crunch, the cereal. I actually witnessed uh, the Captain Crunch, uh, full full uniform, big hat, everything, uh, standing on his head, upside down on the hat, doing a keg stand on the top, meaning on the roof of a school bus in the parking lot. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, also, too, when it gets to be about, I don't know, 20 degrees, you hear this loud sucking whoosh noise, and that would be someone's car exploding in the parking lot. Uh, they like to set off a lot of burn barrels to keep warm. They use a lot of burn barrels. Well, you know, they go inside the game and forget that, oh, you know, I left the burn barrel going right next to my car. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's been some crazy, crazy experiences. Uh, I've seen the Bills play the Chiefs back when Dick Vermeil was the head coach, and I saw them play uh, uh, the Jets when um, Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Jets. So, I've had some pretty wild experiences in Buffalo for games. So uh, I tend to pull for the, you know, those guys, you know, when I can uh, definitely see them uh, advance. I just think it'd be a great story, uh, you know, and, and again, it's something new out of the AFC East. I, I'm just, I'm so over the Patriots, just like, you know, a lot of it, I, I'm over Alabama uh, and Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, you know, I want to see something different. I want to see a little more parity. Well, it'll be an interesting one because uh, you, you look at the Bills Mafia and, and it's legit and, and they've got their own hashtag on Twitter and everything because uh, when it's all said and done, it's going to probably take a little bit more of um, consistency, I would imagine, in this game because I really feel like for some reason 
this is a Ravens team who is very, I think, underrated. I think that they're kind of overlooked in a lot of ways. They showed that last weekend. I'm going to go with my heart and say I hope the Buffalo Bills win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens pull out a dub on uh, the nightcap there on Saturday. Now, here's another here's another Cinderella story, and you got to stay right there in the AFC with the Cleveland Browns coming in here, and they're traveling to Kansas City. Now, Kansas City, like the Packers, had the weekend off, so they sat back and watched a lot of football as we did. Now, the Browns will be playing with a very uh, heavy amount of confidence that comes from winning the franchise's first playoff game in 25 years. Now, don't be surprised if the Cleveland uh, Browns take the first quarter lead as uh, the success on running the ball with who's that? Nick Chubb. We saw that guy on many occasions in the SEC, a former Kansas City running back. Uh, of course, Kareem Hunt against a Chiefs defense has allowed four and a half yards per carry. Now, the Browns, however, have allowed 300 or more yards passing seven of their last eight games. So, Mahomes, you know he's going to be a huge uh, conversation. You know Tariq Hill will be another conversation on Sunday. That, to me, is going to be almost like what we saw in the Alabama game in that one-two punch. They know they're going to see that combination right there, but can they stop that combination and get a win? And that would be their second win and probably the biggest win in the Cleveland Brown history in quite some time. Well, you know, and, and Cleveland Browns getting their two best corners back for this game. Uh, their two best corners missed the last game, Ward, and I can't think of the other guy's name, uh, due to COVID. So both of those guys are checked out. They're free to go, ready to go, uh, and, and will be suiting up. Now, of course, you know, that they come back right when they face uh, arguably the best passing attack, especially a downfield passing attack, you know, in the league uh, and one of the best in league history. So it, it'll be interesting on that. Uh, I, I, I would love to see the Browns win this game just because, you know, it's for the land. Uh, I, I'd be, and it's actually funny that we have uh, – that we talk about this the same night that uh, Coach Jacobs was on. Uh, he convinced us to come up, a, a guy that I had never seen Cleveland before. Um, I had uh, – trying to think if I – I think I'd only been into – part of Cincinnati – uh, in the history, in, in my history, uh, and, and he invited us to come up and, and talk to us into coming up, you know, to the upper part of the state in Cleveland. And I just fell in love with it, and I love it. Um, the only one thing I, I, I have not uh, been able to uh, overcome, and, and I know I get run at the building every time I mention this, is I'm not a LeBron fan. But other than that, you know, there's, mm. there's not much from Cleveland I don't like. Uh, I, I've been to. Um, Cleveland Indians playing the uh, New York Yankees, and uh, that's a heck of an experience there as well. Uh, been all over the city. It's been a great place, you know, and, and just the excitement from, you know, and I guess, you know, people ask me about the being that this is similar with the Red Sox and the Cubs. You know, recently they won a World Series. They also went 86 and 108 years before they won it. Mm-hmm. I, I love the underdogs. Perhaps it's being, you know, the five foot six dude you know, who loves sports and just wasn't gifted uh, with a lot of talent and size that a lot of other dudes, you know, were gifted with. And, you know, I just – so I, I love the underdog. And, and that, to me, is Cleveland. They're, they're the scrappy little brothers, you know, like that little cartoon with the yappy dog biting at the bulldog. And, uh, you know, so hopefully maybe they – you know, they get to have their day and be the big dog. Uh, and that would be really cool. I'm not saying I'm pulling for – you know, I, I'm, excuse me, expecting them to win. But it would be a great story if they did. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though, and I like what I've seen in Baker Mayfield, man. You know, his days at Oklahoma, what he did there, and, of course, everybody knows uh, a few storylines that he made. Some were really good and some not as good, but 
I, I like this part of what we see in Baker Mayfield, the confidence and, and the ability for him to be a general on the football field and just his swagger, right? I mean, it's almost like he's finally found that Oklahoma swagger that he's kind of missed, right? I mean, I haven't seen it with Cleveland until this year, and, and, and you hear him, hear him chanting, uh, you know, with a lot of the guys running into the locker room and, and, and doing the old, you know, things that he was known for at Oklahoma. Remember, and he did so many great things, you know, in his time there for the media that fell in love with him just by his ability to say it, do it, and, and then back it up most of the time. And I think that's something that he's going to have to have. He's going to have to have that energy that's going to carry throughout the offense to the defense and all the way through special teams. I just think it's going to be hard to go to Arrowhead Stadium it's going to be really hard to beat a quarterback on the other side. And, again, as much as you can, you can love to see, you know, certain guys do things like Nick Chubb or, or any of that, you still have to understand the one thing that they got that, that I think separates them. And, and that's why they had the first week of a bye is Patrick Mahomes. This kid is just really, really good. I mean, really good. Yes, he's got a great receiver to throw to, but he really, I think, shows his ability to not only throw the ball, he runs the ball. I mean, I watched him, you know, this year and times thought, well, maybe he's not as good as he was the year before, but then he makes a play and that continues the drive. And I think that's the thing that's going to separate him. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, which at one time we would have said this a couple of weeks ago or maybe even a few months ago, but I think it's going to be a very close score. But I just think it's in, of course, the backyard of Kansas City. These guys got a lot of history over there, but they've got a lot of dudes not only on the field, they'll have a lot of guys in backup that will be ready to come in and out. I think that's going to be the other side of this conversation is that um, I think substitutions will be a big part of helping these guys continue to win. So the next game and the final game that we'll look at uh, is going to be a game that's going to be played uh, on Saturday night. Actually, 8:15 on Fox is uh, your boys. How about it, man? New Orleans, the Saints taking on Tampa Bay. And this one, you know, we talk a lot about quarterbacks, and we, we, we've kind of said this throughout the whole show, right, of this segment at least, of each one of these teams have different style quarterbacks. These two guys, you know, uh, you've got the GOAT, uh, someone saying Tom Brady, but don't you dare say it too loud to a guy like Eugene, who <laughs> we all know who his guy is, of course, the quarterback hanging out over there with the Saints, and Drew Brees. Now, my thing is, is this Drew Brees' final season, not only in New Orleans, but in the NFL, is this his final a uh, chance to, to march into a Super Bowl or at least a, a, a final game in, a, in the NFC Championship game where the winner will get that opportunity. But when you look at the Saints, who, of course, swept the regular season matchups, because this is, by the way, a regular division game between two teams that know each other extremely well. Tom Brady threw five interceptions. Now, two games, five interceptions. Eugene, that's unheard of for a guy like Tom Brady. Now, Tampa Bay's offense has improved since then. And the additions of who is that? Antonio Brown, which we watched him do some big things over the weekend, gives New Orleans another issue. Now, with that, Tampa Bay has held Alvin Kamara, who got that big pay raise, if I'm not mistaken, Eugene, earlier in the year. And uh, they've held him in check in the regular season matchups. Can they do it now? Can Drew Brees do some of the things that he wasn't able to do maybe in a few games in the past? That's going to be the question to me is which quarterback out of this is going to have – that big payday that's going to end up helping them down the field. And, again, two great receivers on each side, two great quarterbacks on each side. How crazy would it be for special teams or the defense to be the storyline at the end of the day? Well, I'll tell you, uh, you bring up great – you know, and the hardest thing they say in the NFL, the hardest thing to do is to beat a team three times in one year. You know, and, and the Saints mm-hmm. have won the two prior matchups. And so 
you know, to to win a third one is quite often, you know, the most difficult. Uh, you know, fortunately for the Saints, it is a home. Um, but so let's take it past that. Two great quarterbacks, both, you know, they get the receivers back. Uh, the tight end, Jared Cook, South Carolina guy for the Saints, is having a major year. Uh, kudos to that guy because, you know, he was doing well with uh, Tennessee. Then he kind of got lost, you know, with some teams that really just didn't throw through the tight end a whole lot, but he made some good money. He's had a great career, you know, so, so we're happy for him. Uh, ends up at the Saints, and, man, he's catching some touchdowns, kind of like in that role that the, uh, the former Saints tight end, uh, had uh, who's now with the Bears. <clears throat> um, so then, like you said, they will bring it down to special teams. Uh, Lutz, the uh, kicker, actually, from uh, from Georgia State, is the uh, place kicker for the Saints. He's a perennial uh, pro bowler. They have a great punter in Morstead. Uh, so if you look at Tampa, you know, they've had kicking issues in the past. Uh, you know, they've had guys that let guys go and sign guys, even drafted a guy pretty high and had and a guy and let him go. Who's the kicker now? Young man from the University of South Carolina is the kicker now. He made $45 million, you know, with the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you know, he, he contract was up and uh, decided to go down and sign with the, uh, the Buccaneers. So, uh, you know, his big leg will be on display. So if it comes down to special teams, you definitely have, you know, two of the best guys uh, going after it uh, in, in the NFL. And arguably, you know, in NFL history, when you look at their um, percentages and things like that. So that'll be interesting. But obviously, you know, I'm biased. I'm a Saints fan. That is my team. Uh, Kamara has kind of, you know, you started to see him feel it towards the end of the game uh, last week where he kind of started getting those seven-yard runs and he get popped pretty hard. he kind of get up smiling. You know, you could see that he was kind of feeling like he was getting back into his juice. And uh, if he can run the ball effectively – that obviously sets up Drew to do what Drew does. You know, Drew's not a downfield guy anymore. He just doesn't have the arm, you know, and he's never really has had that, you know, that 40-yard, you know, strike down the field. So it'll be a matter of, you know, can he open up the holes to pull the safety? Can Kamara open up the holes or be successful enough early so that those safeties kind of creep in so that Drew can throw over them? Because, again, you know, when you got – you know, teams playing deep on him. He's not had as much success just because he doesn't quite have that arm strength, you know, to kind of zip it in those tight holes, you know, 20 yards or 15 yards down the field like he used to. But I, you know, again, obviously I'm a Saints fan. I want the Saints to win. I would love, in my perfect world of worlds, it would be a Saints versus Bills Super Bowl. That would crack me off. That would have me in front of the TV, glued to it all night. And you may get that. We'll find out. But here's the one thing that none of body is really mentioning. And this is a guy who was a huge part of the success of, uh, of the young man that we talk about, Tom Brady. And who was that? Rob Kronzowski. Oh, Grunk. Grunk has been almost MIA. And I'm going to tell you something. What's going to happen? A lot of times when you have a throwing game, it opens up the running game. But here's where I think it's going to help out getting Gronk open and opportunities. Now with them bringing in Antonio Brown and having him being a very good deep receiver that's able to really kind of catch it on his fingernails and anywhere else that gets near his hands, he's able to bring it in for a catch for sometimes six or definitely a first down. 
I think that's going to open up that what? That short pass pattern, that opportunity for Gronk to get in there and do some big things. So, for me, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I want to lean into thinking that the Saints can do it, but I just think, like you mentioned, it's hard to beat somebody twice, and it's real hard to beat them three times. I think you'll see why Tom Brady has become the GOAT and of all times. And I feel like it'll be a close one, but I think this is the upset. And I don't even know if it's really an upset, but I guess it would be because the Saints are the home team. And, again, we're talking about the Buccaneers. I just feel like it's hard to go against Tom Brady in the playoffs, at least at this point. I think you end up seeing the boys, of course, of the Packers taking on the Buccaneers, which would, again, have me going the Kansas City Chiefs taking on, uh, again, I think I went with Baltimore on this one even though I'd like to see Buffalo win, but I think it's the Baltimore yeah. and Chiefs and the AFC. Let me interject one more kind of uh, – I'll just kind of put it out there and see what you think. Let's say yeah. – and, and unfortunately it happens to my Saints. Let's say that Brady wins. Let's say Brady takes right. them to the Super Bowl. We know how bad, how miserably bad the Buccaneers have been recently. We see how miserably bad the Patriots were this year. Does all the talk go away about Belichick being so great and all of it kind of go, you know, everybody kind of fold those speeches up and chuck them into Brady's suitcase along with him being the GOAT? I mean, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder how does a team just fall that drastic against the AFC East and not even be in the playoffs, and yet he goes to Tampa Bay, which has been a boring over the past 10, 15 years. You know, and, and I mean, they haven't – won a Super Bowl even since really since they won it in 2001. Exactly. Right. So is that, you know, do people stop loving up on so much on uh, on Belichick and say, look, man, you know, here's the here's the key to being a 20-year head coach with a bunch of Super Bowl rings. Find the next Tom Brady and draft him. <laughs> Just a thought. Well, but he doesn't have to draft him because here's a guy sitting down with the Texans, Deshaun Watson, who is – Pretty, pretty promising that doesn't want to stay there. Now, the only thing is he's looking to, I think, head to Florida as well because he doesn't have to pay property taxes or something. I think somebody made a joke about that uh, going forward. But, you know, when you go out and draft a quarterback, you don't know what you got. But when you go out and trade for a quarterback that's promising and really good, like Deshaun Watson is, that that might be the answer. And, again, I'm not saying that Cam Newton is not the answer. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who Cam Newton is or what Cam Newton we get. I like Cam, but I just think that – Maybe, unfortunately, and I hate to say that maybe his seasons are – her better seasons are behind him. When meanwhile, a guy down there in the Texans who it seems like there's a lot of issues that uh, I think Deshaun would be a good fit there. He has one bad year, and that is Belichick. I mean, you know, you're only as good as your players. I don't care what anybody says. You can go out and go get, you know, a bunch of guys and do some things. But if you don't have the guys that, that he had during that tenure – and again – you know, yes, Tom Brady is the best of the best in a lot of different categories, and he is the GOAT in a lot of different areas for sure. I would agree with you. But you, you look at he, – he took Grunk with him. He took some other guys that, 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 that went with him, I think. I know for sure other guys left the, uh, left the organization. So that's not the same team. They didn't just take Tom Brady out of there and insert Cam Newton, right? There were some other dudes that either retired or traded or just fell off the map or whatever the case may be, and – and that's just, again, I think if you have two or three of these years, yeah, I think there's a conversation in it. Has the game maybe passed it by? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I just think other teams are getting better. I think you're seeing this in college football, too. I think when you're starting to see, and I think, again, Buffalo was on this trend, 
a few years ago. Remember, they had a guy from the University of South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, that was a defensive back, right, that was pretty good. And he did some pretty big things. And I think they also – did they at one time have Sammy Watkins? Wasn't he receiver there at one time? So they had tried to do some things. And, again, I may be yeah. wrong with Sammy Watkins, but I think he was there at one time. They've tried to do things, but sometimes certain guys don't mix well together. And, and I think that's what you're finding out right now. They've got some new spices in the cabinet over there, and, and they just don't mix well with, with the entrees that they've been serving for so many years. And a little bit of humble pie is, is not a bad thing. For, uh, for those fans. I mean, you're seeing that in the Steelers. I mean, look at Big Ben sitting on the bench. I mean, you know, there's tears. Well, there's tears of I can't believe uh, I didn't make it to the next round. Was that the tears of I'm not going to come back and play football anymore? I'm definitely not coming back here. I mean, there's so many questions. I mean, look at over there in Seattle, another great quarterback. I mean, there's this league is loaded full of talented quarterbacks across the NFL, and it's not just in one side or the other. I mean, again, even that backup, even that backup quarterback at Washington, got a game ball in a losing game, and and you got to give him that because he left the field, went to go get checked out, and they thought they were getting ready to get this kid come in here from. I think that was the guy from ODU or that, that was going to make his debut, and he was like, "Hold on a second, dude! No, I didn't come this far. Then I finished this game. He went out there and did it even more with a with a busted up shoulder. So again, that that's a great question. I, I will be curious to see what it looks like for next year. But, you know, for me, the storylines of so many different Cinderella stories right now in the NFL are, are among us. And, again, you, you look at what the Bills are doing. I think that's impressive. And I think the Rams on the other side are impressive. So two different things that are, that are definitely going to get some headlines. And, again, I'll plug my quarterback real quick. Aaron Rodgers, I think he does more with less than any other quarterback in the NFL. He hardly ever has these top-ranked receivers that do great things. He ends up – finding a few, and in this case, we've got one guy that he throws to every time, and they still can't stop him and can't, can't keep it out of his hands. But, you know, when you've got guys like him who, again, on a mission, you know, uh, you've watched a lot of the big names get bounced out this weekend. I just hope my guy's not going to be that guy. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually hoping I, I'm not a Baltimore fan. I, I was kind of hoping that Tennessee would, would win that game. I, I love their running back. Uh, you know, he just brings a lot of fun, a lot of energy to the game. Kind of reminds me of the old Emmett Smith days. Obviously, he's a different type of back. He's a bigger back. Uh, but it just kind of reminds me of that ground and pound and, and get one loose and stiff arm you. And, but so, so, you know, congratulations to them. But, you know, looking back to that draft and, and the Buffalo Bills, they everybody knew they were taking a quarterback. Everybody knew, you know, uh, Arizona was taking a quarterback. Everybody knew – that um, the Jets were taking a quarterback, and they all did. You know, five quarterbacks win that first round. Well, there were some allegations, and it kind of goes back to, you know, our presentation that we're working on for high school students, that the uh, that Josh Allen, you know, he was a, a weird early favorite to be the first overall draft pick, first quarterback, and to be a possible Heisman playing at Wyoming, a school that, you know, isn't part of a – I mean, they're barely a group of five when it comes to, you know, uh, being known throughout the country. And yet, you know, he liked a tweet, if I recall, and I don't recall the details. He liked a tweet that had a tweet connected to a tweet. Something had to do with racism. And he falls from the first overall pick, you know, to Mm. Buffalo. And I think it benefited Buffalo in the sense that here's a guy who played at Wyoming, uh, which if you've Mm. ever been to upstate western New York, uh, at the months that they play football, uh, you know, he, he's played in that type of weather and that type of environment where kids who were from the, 
uh, East Coast and on the beach in Virginia, like Tyrod, uh, you know, just didn't have that type of uh, uh, experience under their belt. And it's just, you know, it's worked out well. And obviously the young man had learned a lesson from social media as a 16-year-old. It seems very mature. And, you know, everybody seems to be, you know, kind of rowing the, rowing the same direction in Buffalo. And, it, you know, it's working and working at a high level. Yeah, it definitely is working and at a high level. Tonight, we worked at a high level. It was a great show tonight, and we want to thank all of our guests. Lou Bezjak joined us from the state paper all the way in Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, you know, we, uh, we got a chance to catch up with him on all the news that happened around the high school league. And, of course, we talked to, at 7 o'clock, it was Coach Doyle. Happy birthday again, Coach, the director of recruiting over at Coastal Carolina with the Shauna Clears. And then at 7.30, we hung out with, who was that? Coach Mike Jacobs, the head coach from Lenore Ryan University. So, guys, 30 seconds to go. It's been a heck of a show, guys. Stay tuned to our plans for tomorrow night on Southern Sports Central. Ms. V is off handling some personal issues, so we ask that you send your thoughts and prayers to her and her family. Meanwhile, follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Eugene, you got 10 seconds, buddy. Good job tonight. Yes, sir. Looking forward to this uh, coming weekend of football. Stay safe, buddy. Talk to you soon. That we'll do, guys. Until then, God bless. Stay safe. And until next time, enjoy the weekend of football out of the NFL, guys. Take care.